Hello. Hello. I just reinstalled MP3 Skype recorder because why not? Thank you. And I put my microphone on uh, DVD quality. You yes, sound weird. Uh, why the why? Why do you two sound so weird? Yeah, Luke sounds really weird. You sound weird too. Wow, what's wrong? <laughs> sound like you're on helium. <laughs> oh, we fucking had him there for a minute. Oh my god. <laughs> I thought I was still in Discord or something. Some you guys jumped in. It's pretty funny. All right. Hey, everyone. Today is Wednesday, the 7th of March, 2018. This is The Gap, episode 409. I'm Luke Laurie. Job Gore is here today. How you going, Job? I'm good. And also joining us is Nathan Lawrence. What's up, Nate? Not much. Not much. You still sound really funny. What, are you putting this on still? No. What am I, what am I putting on? It's very. You're you very sound- high-pitched. Am I? Yes. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. I'm okay with sounding high pitch. You can pretend I'm someone else if you want. Or should I go? Are I... you sure you're not doing something? <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? I was taking well, the piss before. You actually sound high pitched. Yeah. All right. Well, must be that uh, lovely dog again. It's good. <laughs> uh, are you sure? Is there a gas leak at your house or something? Man, I'm sounding pretty fucking deep today, to be honest. <laughs> no, dude. It's not a right, recording. It's a uh, bass boost. Does that help? <laughs> no, that no. makes you worse. I mean, it does It does get rid of the background noise, but... Nate, before when I was sounding funny, I was doing it because you were. Oh. <laughs> That's what I was... What about now? Keep talking. I don't know. If you only say three words, it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell if I'm high pitched on three words. No, uh, no, no. That you're somehow getting worse. Oh, good. <laughs> you should call the fire department because you are going to die. Oh uh, well, such. Oh well, yeah. life. <laughs> uh, don't do that. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know what to say. Well, uh, let's just get on with it so you can get back to your business at the Lollipop Guild, I suppose. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Do you want to try and call us back or something? Uh, Yeah, let me do a test call, see what's happening. Back in a bit. Because I won't be able to stop laughing inside this. Today is Wednesday, the 7th of March, 2018. This is The Gap, episode 409. I'm Luke Laurie. Job Gore is here. How you going, Job? Oh, yeah, pretty good. And also joining us is the chipmunk himself, Nate Lawrence. Nate, what's up? Hey there, how you doing? Yeah, we are. Um, yeah, we're having a good time. <laughs> we had a bit of trouble getting this one going today. Technical difficulties. Chipmunks <laughs> in all. Oh, yes. System. If I remember, I'll put a, a bit of it in there, but it's like twenty minutes of of th- like me and Job trying to yeah. <laughs> trying to convince Nate that he sounds like a chipmunk. Yeah, it was pretty weird. Put it all in there. It's great. Yeah, it's all really good. all top notch podcast. The best gold. bit is when Nate first joined and it was happening. I thought he was taking the piss, so then I started <laughs> doing it, and then Job thought his was broken because he heard both. Uh, yeah. 
talking really high pitched. I was wigging out. It was odd. Yeah, and no, then- the best bit was when when me and Nate said, "Luke, do a deep voice," and you went, <laughs> "Oh yeah," <laughs> and that's all you said. Like, oh yeah, right. That's that's all a, a deep voice person might say is, "Oh yeah, oh yeah, just yeah, there. come on, yeah." <laughs> So Stop it! You sound like you're fucking paying dollar a dollar for a fucking dirty movie, fucking one of those dirty movie places. Jesus Christ! Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> anyway, anyway, what's been going on? Nate? How are you feeling? You've had like two big trips in what three weeks, something like that. It's been a trip. Oh, uh, <laughs> let's start podcast again. That's- still there you have to do a better joke no oh fuck okay uh so you went to canada and then back to sydney and then to paris yes i had three whole days or something in between cool spend with with my brother thanks bro for turning up um and then yeah on on a plane again to paris i think i was in the air for more time than i was actually in paris so Crazy trip. That's crap. Yeah, it's not ideal. I think I'm just slowly trying to break myself from, like, wanting to go on trips. Yep. Fair enough. Because they're really shit. I mean, obviously, the access is great, but the travel part is not ideal. Yeah. You mean the bit where we uh, we got shifted on a plane that had, like, a cancelled flight as well? Yeah, and where the seat map fucked up, and so the seat that was supposed to take me through to Sydney actually turned out to be halfway uh, up the plane instead of up the back, and it was a middle seat and not an aisle seat. And I was sitting next to a, a diseased person, so it was oh. just win-win on the way home, really. Wow. I'd lose my shit. <laughs> Well, I did talk to someone about it, but they were like, yeah, we have five seats left on the flight, and I'm assuming those five seats weren't in economy. <laughs> so he's right. like, there's nothing we can do. I'm like, good, good. He did offer, in fairness, to uh, after the meal service, sir, you can come upstairs and stretch your legs in the business area. I'm like, ooh, stretch my legs? No. <laughs> Gee, can, can I, mister? Yeah, I could just do that up and down the aisle here. Ah, I can fucking do that in the business area anyway, mate. All you've got fucking stopping me is a piece of fucking curtain. Like, oh, I don't know, man. I respect the shit out of that curtain. Do you? No, fuck you that have. shit. They've got the nice toilets. I'm, I'm up in that shit all the time. <laughs> Destroy the nice done toilets. It, mate. Jump up there, start stretching your legs. Oh, yeah, that feels really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that voice and ease into a seat, and I'm sure they'd let me stay. Uh, yeah, well, they'd be scared not to. <laughs> well, then they want to protect their, you know, VIP flyers. It's probably but- just better to not, you know, not disturb whatever that man who talks like that is <laughs> doing. Yeah. The, the Luke Lowry. Yeah. Did you have fun, though, on your trip? You went oh, on Canada, at least. No. 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 The, no the people company. on the trip were terrible, so. The company was garbage, I know. <laughs> Have you already talked about... You already, already talked about the trip, Luke? Yeah, we talked a little about it. Yeah, we did. Did you talk about how, like, how framey the game was over there? And that just... Is, isn't that so weird that they have PCs that, like, can't run their game? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, it's an odd 
thing to think about. Like I, I know at you know the PUBG panel at PAX, oh, I, yes. it was sort of not a big surprise that they hadn't managed to put that one together because you know it's a they got a lot of games and I guess they're mostly focusing on SNES ports or whatever the fuck. But uh, if yeah, if they're showcasing their big fucking title, it's, it's a bit odd. Yeah, and playing it less than. 30 frames most of the time. Uh, the odds are stacked against the That's chicken. That's crazy. I mean, it wasn't uh, that bad in fairness, yeah. but it seems like <clears throat> like one of those things where they seem to prioritize fidelity over frame rate, which is like the opposite of everything that's going on at the Six Invitational where, you know, like the pros, unless I guess they've got the beasties, computers in the world, they're all about uh, running that shit on whatever will give them the highest frames, right? Yeah. So even if they're running it on low, I'm pretty sure like my boy Serenity runs his stuff on uh on ultra low even. So it's just like, yeah, well, I don't want a frame drop, so I just fuck it. Doesn't matter if it doesn't look good. It's all about being able to, yeah, maintain the frame rate and having that input. Uh so I, it's disappointing because I think they wanted to do higher fidelity because we were capturing, but yep. the the bad side of that is it makes you look like a fucking scrub when you're yeah. playing. You can't even like land a shot because it's kind of jumping between mouse movements and you're like, oh. yeah. Uh, but it wasn't every computer either, was it, Luke? Yeah, like, it was just kind of like some of them. I, it could have been to do with the um the Elgato setup that they had, maybe. Uh, no like, way! Like the the capture card was external. It's completely external. So yeah, um, it was something then because it was like some of them had really bad uh, like t- screen tearing. Other than some of them were okay, it was just like hard to tell what was going on. It was, but you know, we, we still had fun with uh, with the content. Yeah, those two operators that aren't at all overpowered. <laughs> so we they won't straight into talking about that then. Yeah, we should. Um, we we played a bit of it, and uh, they're pretty crazy. Yeah, Finker I'm, and Lion. Finker and Lion are the two new operators, and. Uh, yeah holy shit uh i'm very upset that as always geforce experience has managed to like just cock me out of an awesome fucking highlight but uh it yeah we were playing earlier on uh consulates and when lion triggers his ability one of the new so both of the operators are attackers but one of them lion triggers his ability you have three seconds uh like both sides get a three second warning and uh, after that it's like uh any movement that they make any movement that the defenders make they are highlighted uh basically war hacks it's crazy and uh yeah, as long as they don't move, they can turn, like yeah. pivot. But as long uh, as long as they don't move, they won't show up at all. And if they're close enough to mute jammers, then they'll be fine as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, otherwise they are just in, like they're just fucking. You can see them, and because you wallbang most walls in Rainbow Six, it is just crazy overpowered. So yeah, on consulates, uh, I think Drew was lying at the time, and he popped it. And uh, I'd, uh, I timed it. I was fuse. This is one of the things that Nate was talking about, uh, like a synergy type thing. Um, but I popped fuse, and so they fucking piss bolted away from where the fuse grenades were. Yeah. And uh, I'd already made my way all the way downstairs, 
So uh, they started, they lit up basically uh, just in time for me to fucking murder to through a wall without tech, like them being able to see me do shit. They had no fucking hope, uh, which is crazy. It's yeah, bananas. Uh, though, like on the flip side, though, that was the third time I'd fused that same hatch. So I feel like they could have done something about it. Like they should have seen <laughs> something coming. Uh-huh, but yeah, yeah, crazy OP. So that's that's lion, and yeah. Uh, He's, he's nuts. The other one is Finker. And she's pretty good as well. Like, pretty epic. Uh, she used... I haven't played it as her, though. But, like, being on the receiving end, you feel so much more... Like, so, it's it's a fucking confidence boost. It's, like, psychological. As soon as you see that blue halo around your screen, um, she pops hers and everyone gets a boost in health. They move a bit faster and uh, they aim a bit better. And, yeah, that one, that one's crazy. Because, yeah, you just feel like you are, like, invincible for a little while. Uh, and then you revert back and you're like, oh, shit, I've still got 15 health. <laughs> and I think at best I would have had 35 health or something. <laughs> yeah, I think, so I think like it's a, like 40 extra health. 40, right, yeah, max, so. And that's nearly an extra bullet for, in most cases. Yeah. 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 Now, you guys played as Finko? Either of you? Yeah. Yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah. I like I think I spoke about this, like going into it, Nate and I were pretty iffy on the Finker thing. Like uh we, like in terms of high level play, like uh it's not something that'll be picked much, even like normal, right? Casual play. It's just like it's not really one of those operators that um you know, you get much out of. Kinda like um uh vigil that you know the one that can hide from cameras like you don't see him yep. too often either but in high level play they love picking vigil um and, and speaking yeah. to mind freak they were like yeah uh finker's definitely one that we could see using just because the like the amount of possibilities that you've got with her being able to do the boost the speed the accuracy as well as reviving people as well that's huge um mm. so yeah i think high level and casual is a bit different in terms of the totally. amount you'll see but um, yeah, I'm curious to see how they kind of buff and nerf those two at least. Well, the biggest problem is something Job touched on earlier. Um, when I was chatting to one of the devs, they said that whenever you're pitching a new operator at Ubisoft Montreal, you have to uh, two two of the most important pages dedicated to synergy being how they play well with their own friendly operators and counter or Kunta, as they said with their hilarious French accents. Apologies. Um, Yeah, so when it comes to Finca, she's pretty great. Like, her synergy is, I don't know, the whole team. So that's great. And uh, in terms of her counters, well, because so the fiction goes, her nanobot injections in everyone makes their hearts run faster to give them this kind of boost. Mm. Smoke works. Smoke's more deadly on them. The smoke... uh, smokes gas grenades and the traps immediately will like reset it so it ceases to exist so the trap meta is going to be pushed uh more smoke's going to become more prevalent he's already you know basically an essential pick at the competitive level but he will become even more important and it adds a little bit of risk reward so if you're going to pop it before you push and then they, someone gets a good smoke grenade down or gas grenade i should say then you might lose multiple operators because you're 
chugging in that gas faster than you would normally. So she's like really good in terms of counters, but <clears throat> even in their official video and and when prodded, uh, the the synergy for uh, Lion is again everyone I guess to a certain point fuse as well is is great because if they have to freeze and then you time it with a fuse charge, they have to move. So that's great, but. More importantly, the counter is muter. Uh, sorry, muter. Mute. And that's it. Mute yep. is the only counter. And I was like, okay, so what about, you know, Kavira's silence step? What about Vigil's, you know, cloaked ability? And he's like, no, not yet. It's just mute. I'm like, that seems like the development on that character should have stopped right there. Like, yep. okay, we don't have enough counters for this guy. <clears throat> Jump over to Finker and we've got like three, four, you know? Um, it doesn't seem right that something that gives you wall hacks, which is what Mind Freak called it, his ability is wall hacks, um, and it is. Uh, it doesn't seem right that there's not enough, not enough viable counters to that. No, that's crazy. I mean, at the very least, I think Vigil should be a counter. Um, like even if it like made it so his thing tick down faster, so like uh, like made it so his Vigil ability tick down faster um you know signifying that it's you know working hard or some shit um it like that'd be that'd be a really good use like a really good fucking um like uncommon synergy or like synergy slash counter type thing um but yeah the other otherwise like the fact that he's got yeah like mute is that's not a hard counter they're so easy to get rid of. Holy fuck. Like, yeah. And they've got a limited radius as well. So exactly. Like you can dance technically, you know, you can do your back forward ADAD stuff to avoid incoming fire or have a little bit more of a defensive chance against someone who decides to push because they really should be deciding to push or wall banging at that time. Mm. Um, but that's it. Like you can't like run laps you're not invisible unless you've created, I guess, a circuit of mute jammers. And then that just seems like you've picked mute just to counter one operator, which yep. doesn't seem like good design either, in my opinion. So no, I think I, we'll, we'll see him nerfed considerably over the coming like, weeks and months. Like if, if it was, if the, their intention was to get people to actually use mute more and they incentivize people with other reasons to use mute, that I could probably like understand, like that would make a bit of sense to me. But yeah, doing it so that mute is like literally just it's in uh in like the in card games, uh, it's called like a tech pick. Like you you have to pick uh certain cards in Hearthstone to make sure that you are have a viable deck against uh certain like other builds, and if you don't pick those cards when you come up against said builds, you just have to fucking wear it. You just like, you're fucked. Um, and like, I find that sort of gameplay to be unbelievably unsatisfying. This knowledge that somebody absolutely 100% has to do a thing. And they've gone like, they've worked so hard to stray away from that uh, in so many other facets of the game, you know, by, you know, it used to when the game first came out, it was like thermite is uh, lock, like one hundred percent. Someone has to be thermite because hard breaches were so important to the way you play the game. But uh, over time, they managed to you know 
tweak the way the game works. They added Habana to give you other options, and like they've they've successfully like driven it away from being third, like having to have a thermite. But if Lion is as powerful as he is, and he is, uh, then you have to have a mute. I think if you're like as a as someone who likes the like what lesion brings to the defense the defensive like portion of the game um i feel like having a mute as well would make staying on site a lot easier uh and a lot less like terrifying when lion pops and that counter that countdown begins because you at least know you could at least shift a little bit and maybe like chuck another lesion without having to worry about immediately being murdered you know that kind of stuff Hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, i I think we have to wait and see what the how the pros kind of use them um and that'll sort of dictate what happens with the character because like even today when we were playing i i i never got spotted when the other team was using them um but the amount of spots we got as yeah that we got but that was people that didn't understand like how it was working once people like it's you know not even 12 hours into the launch of this new operator once people figure out that oh you're not supposed to move then they'll get an idea and they'll know we forced them to move that's what I, like that's the fuse combo you know like yeah yeah but that's just one combination what i'm saying like nobody picks fuse in the competitive matter but that may change and if that does happen then we'll maybe see some some changes come in but if you know if it's not if they don't find him to be viable enough then it'll stay exactly how it is Mm. yeah true um like in like i don't know nate was talking to the my free guys and they reckon lion's way op right oh absolutely again they didn't like they had the same amount of time or i'm not sure how much time they had with it but we had quite a bit and um you know, after a couple of days of playing it, it, everybody was pretty used to, all right, he's popped it. It was very circumstantial. It wasn't like the whole team would show up on the radar. It was maybe one dude. And then you could use that to bait people. Like, we, I did one of them today. So you can use it in certain ways. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, um, like, a, oh, shit, I've been spotted. I need to run. You can have fucking really cool setups. Um, yeah. The problem is on the retake, though, Luke. Like, and yeah. again, you've got to have um, him surviving until the end, which you know, risk reward or whatever. But like, if I was playing competitively, and this is what Mind Freak said, they would, you know, you just basically <clears throat> keep him alive. Try not to use like all of them, I guess, or keep two in reserve, or at least one in reserve for once you've got bomb down. And then they have to come back to the bomb site. They have to yeah. move. They're not like losing whatever it is, two, three seconds where mm. you can't move because you're worried about getting wall bang. And at that top tier level, you're absolutely worried about getting wall bang anyway. Um, wall bang rather then then that's a, like, that's a massive concern. Like I, I like the idea of him, I guess, more than the execution at the moment, but it's, you're absolutely right. Like they've already said that they balanced the game for the tournament, you know, the competitive scene down. So once we start seeing what happens with him in a matches, 
Mm. Um, they'll have to balance because I, I'm assuming also what they don't want to do is get to a stage once they've introduced the pick and ban phase where both sides get to ban one attacker and one defender each. Um, you don't basically want to have operators that are going to be an automatic ban mm. yeah. because to me that means that that's a problem, right? Like that's a problem yeah. with the operator if both sides are going, yeah, that's that guy's well OP, so we're going to fuck him off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's like that's that's my worry as well like basically you you are i I feel like you're gonna wind up seeing him just be i i don't know i I think the easy fix would be to like get rid of the outlines to have them show up the way calves caveras yeah like or even yeah interrogate like a heartbeat sensor type thing yeah like do something like that Knowing, like, it's way too much information. It is a spectacular amount of information. But my, that kill I got on Consulate, that was two kills in the space of, like, a heartbeat. And it was through, like, a doorway and uh, two walls. Like, that's fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but but then if, the you do go, to do- if you do go that way, is that too much of a nerf? Like, does anybody use him then? Like, is it worth picking up at all? Well, I think that would make him more, like, situational. That would make it more, uh, like, of that that circumstance, circumstantial sort of thing that you, you were talking about, where, like, he would be, un- like, he would be still spectacularly useful in the pro scene on the retake. At, like, if he were nerfed to the cav level, right? Or to the pulse level. He would still be... That would be so much fucking information that, like, the other team had no fucking choice but, like, to wear, right? Uh, On the other... Like, because they're still... Like, the defenders get so much time. Three seconds is... It feels like an eternity to get yourself ready um, to not fucking move, right? But at the same time, if you don't have any choice, if you have to move... It will seem like an eternity in the other, like the opposite fucking direction. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, you just, like no, push, you using that for uh, most of the times we were like when we saw it on our team, it was at the start of a round or somewhere like that where we were just trying to gain intel. But if you're using those in situations where it's like, all right, we're going to push into an actual site, then that mm-hmm. kind of changes up even more. Or yeah, there's like yeah. I think there's a lot of different ways you can use him. Um, and I think if you go too far in one direction, he maybe does become a bit too like too useless or like um, right. like uh, like he's not someone I would pick then if if it ends up being like a just a little marker on the screen or something like that. Then I'd play with you know um, you know one of the other ones is a bit more exciting to play with at least on a casual level. Yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I guess we got to see, right? It's not even a day into it. <laughs> True. But, like, from a design perspective, Siege has always been, in my opinion, more about intelligence gathering and intelligence denial than anything else. So um, the fact that they've got an outline through a wall is goes against everything that we've seen to date in terms mm. of the operators that spot people that gather intel on people. That I think it's a step too far. And I think... It, uh, even if it's like an initial outline of where they were or something like something's got to change because it's too much at the moment. Like I was, I got assists on 
like Joby's two or three kills that he got through the wall because I would spot them and then I'd just get to a disgusting angle where they have no recourse against me and mm. I'd tap fire. I wasn't expecting to kill them, but when I took like peek through those holes again, I could see that there was blood on the wall. So I'd hit them. Um, and so you, you've like basically forced to think about what angle am I safe from and, and the nature of how siege works, especially with you as a defending team, you don't have enough reinforcements to cover absolutely everything, which is why you have to pick and choose. And then you've got to take into account kind of the verticality and the three dimensionality on the idea that they could shoot you through the floor or through the roof, uh, which you can't, you can't counter against. I mean, like I'm imagining Buck is going to be even more of a, of a pick if you manage to take upstairs pop that thing and you're making holes in the roof and you've basically got a bunch of statues on site like yeah. they're gonna move yeah yeah i mean maybe the, the answer is all right fuck it we buff mute mutes mutes radius is now double something crazy like that <laughs> maybe it's just double for his specific ability or the other thing that i was thinking would be cool to make uh, mute even more of an essential pick is if you keep one in reserve and you're running with it in your hands, then uh, you're not you're not spotted. So you could have th- like team a team running with you basically, but you've yeah. all got to like flock around him. Obviously, if you're just doing the solo roaming players mute, you don't have your gun out, so there's a risk there. If you run into someone, you're going to get hit. So I think that that's a good little risk reward counter as well. I mean, to be fair, I don't think I've tested it whether it's actually whether you can just hold it like to your chest and run so i I think that would be i think that would be good in the sense that it adds a little bit of like you want to add doubt because at the moment when i see someone read through the wall i don't have any doubts i'm basically like how do i get to a penetrable surface to fucking tag this guy there's no like hang on what if i'm being baited what if this guy's running you know what if this mute is running upstairs and this dude's bait like that sort of idea hasn't crossed my mind yet because i haven't been punished and I guess, yeah, you're absolutely right. It is early days. Um, and the people who are experiencing the wrong end of it today have already been kind of like upset about it in text yeah. chat. Yeah. Uh, but I think like if they balance him too far, he's going to become useless. Yeah. Mm. Um, but at the moment, he's he's too powerful. And, and that's even evident in the fact that he's only got one fucking counter. Like that seems ludicrous to me. Yeah, totally. What if they drop the and, amount and- of uses or something like that? Even like, hey, you've got two now instead of three. They yeah, talked about often. they talked they talked about tweaking the duration and the number of uses and things like that and also the cooldown time. So they said they prepared basically to uh, balance on those factors. But there's simple things that I said like can defenders destroy the drone? You see his drone above the map, and yeah. the answer is no. But right. again, no, right. not at not at this stage well think about it as a risk reward thing if there wasn't an easy way on a map to get like you'd have to actually get outside to a point where it would give you position away to take a shot at it there's some risk reward going or maybe it's like kind of hangs around closer to their spawn or something so then the defenders have a chance of like tracking this drone to see where lion is like just little things like this that i think they they kind of they could have thought a bit more about it before launch or at the very yeah. least when, when I was grilling them and saying, this sounds overpowered. And then I played it and I'm like, this plays overpowered. And then I talked to mind freak. I'm like, the pros are saying it's overpowered. Hmm. Um, <laughs> they would have more answers than, you know, we're just going to tweak, you know, cooldown duration and charges. And then we'll go from there. It's like, eh, okay, it would be good if you guys kind of were able to theorize more about the other things that you could do that are a little bit more inventive that like at the moment, there doesn't seem to be any risk 
playing Lion at all. Like, it's all reward. It's 100% yeah. reward for his ability. Uh, because yep. he can literally camp at spawn behind a wall and pop it and let go, go get your shooters, like, send out your Luke to get bullshit headshots through walls and just stay at base and then, yeah, wait for the call to activate the ability. Repeat. Mm. No risk at all required to play Lion at this stage. I mean, obviously, that's not the best way to support your team. You've got a gun. But yep. at the same time, it's still a viable tactic at the moment because... It's a global starters, and uh, there's no incentive for him to not. Whereas if the drone is like hanging around above his head, there's people like he knows that if he stays in spawn, that there's people going to get an angle on him if he decides to move and stuff like that, or even like a cheeky run outside for a C4. Not that we want to see the return of that. God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know what I mean? Like at the moment, it's just is they haven't they didn't even address that the drone was anything beyond the fact that oh, as a defender, if you see the drone, you know that he's in play. And I guess that's kind of cool right now. But moving forward, when they're going to be transparent about uh, the operators that both teams pick at the competitive level, mm. except for that one secret pick, it, it almost seems kind of redundant. And you'd know pretty quickly whether he's in play and most of the competitive teams are playing mute anyway, fairly regularly. So yeah, it doesn't seem to like, it doesn't seem to disrupt the meta in a, in a positive way because again chatting to mind freak they said there was a time when season to season the meta was switching between easier to attack easier to defend and i said what's the what's the state of the meta at the moment and they said it's actually easier to attack and i said okay so you've got two new attacking operators coming on and with global abilities and they're like it does seem like an interesting decision which was their pc response <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. and they're right. Like it, it's weird because I'd like to think that. Um, I mean, they've got plans for operators chatting to the creative director. He said he's already thinking about year four, even though we're in year three. So I'm assuming that um, they've got their stuff locked in. I would like to think that they're kind of developing two or three seasons ahead, uh, so that if the meta changes because of the last DLC drop, that they can like shuffle the order in which they release operators to kind of react to that. I agree with their approach where they said they don't want to react too quickly mm. to meta changes. It takes time Full respect. Yeah, totally. Uh, but at the same time, it's also like you've got the pros who you balance this game for, who you care most about, um, yep. which you should like it's, totally. it's fine. Yep. No problems there, but you've got them saying there is a strong attacking meta at the moment. And then you've thrown in two more attackers, which you haven't done before. And the reason that they gave for why they went with two attackers was for outbreak. Um, and then you say, well, why is outbreak only a temporary event? And they said, well, first of all, cost servers, but also this is a competitive multiplayer shooter. So it's like, okay, so you've released two attacking operators to support something that's going to last for four weeks. Whereas these operators are going to last for the rest of the game. That yeah. also seems fucking weird. <laughs> I think that they um, they do work quite quite a bit in advance because I'm sure I spoke. I know I did speak to them about this um, about where the idea from some of these operators came from, like their their evolution. Uh, and apparently, yeah. like it came from a bug with Cav, um, and and that's that was a 2016 release. Yeah. So you know that's ne nearly a year and a bit later. Well, True. when I ch chatted to the creative director last year, um, I think he said that he had, like there was four or five 
little hand uh, notebooks they talked about that he had and i believe he said that two of them were full like they were all full of ideas but two of them were dedicated to operators and there was something like only a quarter or halfway through at that point one of the books yeah and i'm assuming on top of that you've got you know developers pitching operator ideas as well um but like they've they've got all of that to fall back on that, and that's crazy for me. Like I have no doubt that they'll get to 100 operators, but it it concerns me that along the way, and also um, I think it was in the Rebel article that went live today, Job. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's the idea that I'm blanking on my point. That's great. We'll come uh, back. And I'll just you were saying 100 operators and oh yeah it concerns so, you yeah, yeah the um the globals are new right every yeah. other ability is sort of more situational and I mean there are some passive abilities but it's more active and focused mm-hmm. um, yeah. the globals was new and I said can we expect more globals in the future and he said of course but then he said but I have other ideas for new kind of disruptive abilities mm-hmm. coming in season two, three, and four. So it sounds like if we're going to see globals, and in my mind, I'm thinking the easiest way to balance it would be to just say, be patient because season two or three is going to have two defenders and they're going to have globals that aren't necessarily counters, but will at least shift the balance a bit more towards you know defense. Because you, you don't want it to get to a stage. It's an asymmetrical game already, which is great. But you don't want to get to a stage where you're like, oh, well, we're on defense. We lose. You know, um, Let's just hope that we start on attack first. And that way, when it alternates as casual players between them. So if we start on attack, we win on attack. Then we basically just win on attack and it goes to overtime. But we win. You don't want that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's not, it's not ideal at all. Um. Yeah. Cool. Fuck. Cool. All right. So we should talk about. Uh, should we talk about outbreak then? Good dismantling of uh of the new stuff. Uh yeah. Let's talk about outbreak. We played a bit of that. Yeah. For an hour or so. I'll tell you what. On easy, it's boring as balls. I yep. Uh, it's not even remotely challenging enough to for it to be worth worth the effort on easy or on normal or whatever the fuck it is. It's normal and hard, right? Normal yeah, and hard. Yeah, normal and pandemic. Pandemic, right? Yeah, on normal, it's just dull. Um, yeah, it didn't. Yeah, it didn't seem worth it um, to me on normal. Just I don't know. You just it's too easy to just fucking pop everything and i guess you know in a way that's cool but uh in another uh in another way it is not cool i'm not i'm i just i don't know it's just, i guess it's really fucking tedious real quick because all you're doing is shoot reload shoot reload shoot reload and yeah there isn't enough variety uh it felt like for it to be interesting you know um so yeah when the when the stakes are low uh, outbreak's pretty dull. Uh, on Pandemic, I had a fucking ton of fun, but I kept choosing shitty fucking operators, so I need to stop doing that. Yeah, you picked Claz, yeah. and then you were like, I'm going to pick something better, and you went Buck. I did. Buck was, like, marginally better than Claz. Oh, Buck was okay. Glass is uh, the fact that it's got like a restricted pool of operators that had apparently been handpicked because they fit 
the scenario, yeah. there are some fucking duds in there. And anyone who has like an SMG, I don't know if you were noticing this, Luke, you run out of ammo during like when you're assaulted. But anyone who has an LMG, you don't. So mm-hmm. it's almost like pick an LMG, get the right attachments, tap fire at their heads to take them yeah. down. And that's the best way to deal with those sort of back to the situations where they're swarming you. Yeah. Well, like I, I didn't like Buck wasn't that bad. My main problem was that I, I still had the ACOG on his gun. So, uh, yeah, a lot of cases like you're not taking out, you're not doing long range shooting, right? Like it's but mostly up front, up close shit. Right? Yeah. And with the ACOG, you either hip fire or you're trying to fucking work out which pixel of this glowing monster you're trying to shoot. It was a pain in the dick. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like you were, we're definitely running out of ammo quite a bit, uh, which Especially is on, on hard because they take it quite yeah. a bit more shots unless you're headshotting. Yeah. Oh, and when they aggro as well, right? Like when they go into that, like if you're stealthy, and you headshot them before they turn. The grunts turn into, they turn from the nattering idiots I call them, nattering idiot mode to uh, yeah. like hardcore, your metal mode. Uh, mm. They take a lot more hits. Even headshots is aren't one shot kill, except when they're in their squishy form. And that's yeah. kind of what they, you know, like Luke, we started off because we, we were told, oh, you might want to start off with silences, and then we just kind of realised that. It was so kind of more situational where you'd be sneaking around and popping headshots and you're more likely to aggro the one that you didn't see that then calls for help and aggroes everyone else. But it's kind of no point playing with a silencer and you just fucking... Fuck no. You just try and fucking pop as many headshots as you can in the the few moments that you can because otherwise, like, yeah, you're better off just fucking being loud the whole time. Yeah, like the running around and getting from objective to objective stuff is quite is a lot easier than the wave-based, all right, sit here and do this shit now. <laughs> That's when there's, like, like hundreds of things coming at you. Um, mm. Or, like, protect this house, and here's four, four uh, bomb plants you need to protect. All right, thanks. <laughs> we struggled on that one a couple of times. Yeah. That's a three bomb plants, but fuck, man, that, that's rough. We, like, we clearly weren't well equipped to deal with it, I think, uh, me being stuck with Buck. But, uh, yeah, like, that one, that one's tough. You just be, like, those, those defending moments are very quickly overwhelming. And you don't feel like, I don't think we were, lo- we weren't losing because we were dying. We were losing because the fucking bombs were getting destroyed. And that's mostly just a case of, like, it gets pretty hard to, like, identify targets at, like, some point during those um, those stages because of the, like, visual noise that's going on, you know? Um, yeah. Still, uh, yeah, it, I, I find it a lot of fun on, um, on pandemic mode. Yeah. Like, yeah. And again, we only played, uh, well, we, we finished one map. We didn't finish the second map. We haven't seen the third one yet either. Yeah. Um, yeah we didn't even really explain it. I guess if you don't know what it is, it's a, like a oh, yeah. Left 4 Dead mode in Rainbow Six Siege. That's a timed event for a month. Yep. Um, that's pretty much all it is. <laughs> Way too much work has gone into this, I feel like. So, um, for, 
yeah. free content for a month. Way too much. Like, fucking, again, and they fall back on this idea that it's timed because it's a competitive, like, it's a competitive game. Siege is a competitive game. And you're like, but you went and built three fucking maps, entirely new assets and all this stuff. So I'm just thinking, well, that could have been more operators. That could have been a new map. Well, three, three new maps, I guess. Yeah. Well, six maps because they're split up into halves, right? Yeah. And I, like, I don't think anyone would have got angry at them if they just kind of repurposed existing maps um, and just had like this little horde mode thing happening. Right? Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, like, actually, it, it's a bit, it's a bit lame because I've like you get those packs at the start, those outbreak packs, and I guess that must be what outbreak is all about—is incentivizing or like. Uh, raising awareness of the alpha pack system. So you get your packs at the start, but you don't get packs for fucking finishing maps or anything. Yeah, you do. You I get th- you get stuff for... Um, well, you get unlockables or charms or skins. Or you get charms, yeah. Charms, but those that's like... Those are fucking... Don't say like it, challenges, yeah. rewards. I bought a fucking tank. Looks pretty sick. Nice. Yeah. Should have bought a fucking top hat, mate. Um, oh. You don't get the op- op- like outbreak skins or anything. So, I, I, yeah, I got what I got, and that's it. Like, yeah, the only way to get those other outbreak skins, it's like the fucking, reminds me of the timed events, uh, sorry, the, like, seasonal events in Overwatch, where the only way to get certain skins and shit was to basically buy as many fucking packs as humanly possible. And the one fucking legendary I drop I did get from those packs wound up being fucking coins. But you couldn't buy fucking... Couldn't buy these skins from coins. So, essentially, I got the big fuck you, which is why I quit playing Overwatch. Um, well, you don't get coins like, from Siege, and you don't get double-ups either, so... Yeah, true. Like, I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but it is reminiscent. Like, it does feel like, ultimately, yeah, they're not really... Like, it just seems a bit tra- of a transparent, like, attempt to, yeah, get people to buy packs and shit. Like, oh, Outbreak. It's an Outbreak event. It's the only way we'll get these skins or whatever the fuck. Oh, that seems a bit lame. Like, uh, it again. Does, it does seem that way. It does. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, I get, get that they've got to monetize, right? Like, they've yeah. got that thing where you don't have to buy the season pass and if you do you get early access but you still get access to the maps you still technically get Mac like if this is your go-to shooter you're probably yeah. not having problems unlocking you know your two operators every three months unless you're on the starter edition which I asked the brand director if it was redundant and he didn't really seem to like that word at all um, but like there has been some controversy about it recently about people saying we've done the maths on the kind of hours that you have to do and the starter pack edition to unlock stuff and it, it amounts to grinding which yeah. is not a positive word i think in anything that's not maybe an rpg and even then i'm a bit like eh, it's not a positive word usually and then but mm. i guess it's more expected in like an mmo or something right yeah, yeah, like it's it's one of those situations where people are like, well, it's an MMO, so of course you have to grind. But that doesn't yeah. make it good. That doesn't make it like, yeah, good design. It just sort of, yeah, what is it like? Fuck, it's battered wife syndrome, or whatever the fuck, you know? Like, yeah, it's like uh, my like. I mean, just to randomly tangent for a second, it's why I don't like reading. Well, I don't like reading generally, but I hate the idea of reading fantasy novels because it seems to be that it has to be a hundred thousand words plus 
because right. it's a fantasy novel. Instead of yeah. like, I, I'm just thinking like, why doesn't someone like cornered the market on writing like, you know, the 30,000, 40,000 word pulpy uh, fantasy, you know? And, and the reason that these books, and I know, Joby, you've read more of them than I have. I haven't read them since high school. So correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason these books are so long is because the author is getting their respective genitalia out and going, look how much thought I put into this backstory and this fucking language and this description of the map. And you're know, like, do I really need that in a story? Like, do I need that's, that? That's a harsh fucking, that's a harsh judgment of the fantasy genre, dude. Holy shit. Like, that's like the world building and shit, man. Like, people do want world building. They want like justifications for the magic and stuff. Man, you're like you're still backstory. Fucking, still backstory. You're such a content locust. That's what you are. You're like fucking. Just get the fucking story in me. Nah, plot. <laughs> Fuck. Fall out plot, baby. <laughs> Why Tell am I still on stage? What are the hero's journey? Damn it. <laughs> yeah, give me the. Plot. Get me around this fucking circle already. <laughs> what really been, happened with those know, trade routes in Star Wars? Exactly. <laughs> well, that's that's backstory. Oh my god. I don't care about that. Who cares like, about the Jedi's? We've all been in the pub with that one guy who's telling a story that goes on for half an hour and you've like committed for 20 minutes. So you hang around for the end and you're just like, and that was it? Like you could have told that in five minutes. That's the fantasy genre summarized. We kicked, we kicked Heath off the podcast. What, number one in racing? Yeah. He's, he's so you did it with a He's, he's the is this best in Australia in Division Four of iRacing. racing? Division Four is that like little league racing? <laughs> fucking what are you what what are you fucking number one in? I've seen him drive in PUBG. He can't be that, that fucking good. Very true. That is very true. But like yeah. Anyway, let's not talk about Heath's driving. It's bad enough when Heath talks about Heath's driving. Um, it's driving Joe crazy. I, um, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, outbreak. It's like it's cool, but you got to play it on pandemic, otherwise it feels like it's fucking pointless. And to that, like on on top of that, yeah, there there are a handful of fucking operators that feel just completely worthless. Like, yeah, I don't know what Glass is doing then. Buck's good when he like the shotgun's fucking awesome for taking out those fucking ground digging dudes, but. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it's if you want a good crew on Pandemic, it's got to be like Finker, Smoke, um, and like a maybe a trap person or or um, I'm not sure, like a, a, a maybe a heavy machine gun or something like that. Someone that's got a lot of ammo. Yeah, because yeah. Smoke's yeah. fucking really good. Um, Finker's like I feel like she's probably essential. Um, yeah. to be able to revive people and give boosts because you can keep basically. Just keep on using that. Like you, you pop it, go pick up another gadget, and you've got a free revive, right? And fifty health points. So, yeah, I think she's awesome in that one. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, cool. We'll, we'll play some more and see yep. if we can get through all the maps. And yeah, yeah. Anyway, what else we got? What's next? Um, I played a bit of Worms. WM WMD. Is that how what it yeah. is? Yes. As a, um, as a question mark, WMD? D? <laughs> no, because I... WMD, it doesn't sound right, the name. Anyway, I, I Nate and I played a bit of this uh, while we were away. Um, oh, yeah. And <laughs> I, I ended up buying it on Steam because I was like, 
I, I was watching a lot of esports over the weekend, um, and I wanted to have something to play that I could sort of, you know, just have on my main screen that I didn't really need to pay too much attention to, uh, and could just watch the esports stuffs as well. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll buy that because you know I had a bit of fun with that and it was pretty cool. So um, yeah, played played a bunch of that. But Nate and I were playing it in Canada with one of the Ubisoft guys, and. Um, that I, I'm not really a big worms person. Like I've never really played, um, I've never really played it before. So that was my first real experience with it. And yeah, man, that's it's kind of um, it's a lot of fun. It's definitely a pretty cool game. The real reason he bought it was because he was getting stomped. Oh, get wrecked, cunt! Yeah, um, I wasn't getting stomped. I think I, I won one game, but out of like four, out of out of fourteen hundred, <laughs> we didn't play that many. I don't know, but it was like the kind of thing where I'd have a go, Nate have a go, and then the Ubisoft guy would have a go, and, and he'd like do all this crazy shit, and it's like, you didn't tell us you could do it. It's like when you're playing games of Job, and he doesn't tell oh, you any of the buttons until the fucking end of the game. I tell everyone all the buttons, and then you guys are all like, oh, you didn't tell me I could do this. And I'll be like, yeah, I fucking did. But every time I explain anything to any of you motherfuckers, nobody fucking listens, and everyone gets upset that I never told them the fucking rules. Yeah. Why am I getting dragged into this fucking hell? Because uh, board games. Nate, board games. You're just oh, like, right. Well, you just said it there. Like, it's got it in the title, board games. Like. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah. Fantasy uh, board games. What else do you love, Trevi? Cooking. All right, at cooking now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find find some way to shit on cooking. Oh, I will. Oh, oh yeah. Well, I'm just gonna cook my own food like some fucking idiot when you can buy it cooked from anyone ever. That's a, that's a good start. Uh, I'm not gonna use. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Okay. So, like, how many people can play Worms WMD? Is it four or eight? Or fucking more. Well, it's at least four. I think maybe you can go crazy and go six or eight. Um, there is definitely one that is like crazy numbers. Yes. I'm sure. Of so it. this is the latest one. It was it's a 2016 release, right? Yeah. Because uh, like, and is it? It's all local, right? It doesn't have to be online or whatever the fuck. You oh, can it, do it has online. Yeah, you can do yeah. local. We were playing on like a um, a laptop. Just pass the laptop. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Because it's yeah. turn-based, so it's it's perfect for that. But it's not like I've, I never used to get into turn-based games. I found them boring, like cooking. Um, but that <laughs> <laughs> was just too easy. Um, but uh, like I, I've started to get into them a bit more recently. But back then, it was just like Worms was a no-brainer because it was more of like a party game. And, yeah, and it was fun. And then you have all like the the bits that come in, like you get sudden death that comes in, and the water rising. So there's all these little external elements. And there's nothing better back in the day. This is back when the graphics weren't that great, where there would mm. be like a minute pixel above your dickhead mate's like worm, and he'd go to do this god throw with a fucking grenade, <laughs> and you think he was good enough to land it, and it would just bounce back in his face, and it would show the replay that he was frantically trying to skip, and you stand away from the keyboard. Amazing! If only fucking you know, uh, shadow play existed back then. So many replays of of rage moments because of pixel denial. Um, but like that was always that was always a fun part of the game, even though it was kind of janky. So yeah. I've, I've loved work since day dot. Yeah. Um, and like to me, you know, if you look at the rating on Steam for Worms WMD, I don't think it's that great. I think it's like mostly positive or something. So yeah. the. F- Fanatics get all crazy about like the specifics of whatever they don't like, but for me, from what we played and from what I played uh, when it launched, 
I'm like, this is just worms. And it's like got crafting and stuff, which is pretty cool. New addition that's not like super in depth, but it kind of makes sense in the context of the game to get more of those powerful abilities. And it's got vehicles, which was cool. Um, stationary weapons, which again was cool, I thought. Yeah. So just more options to fuck people up. Um, what's not to love? Yeah, it's slick. Um, yeah, man. Like, I, I always loved Worms. Uh, apparently, it's max six players. You can't play online. Um, yeah, it looks fucking... I'm, I'm looking at it on Steam. And it looks, like, pretty classic. Well, they've got it. It's on, it's on uh, portable platforms as well, like your uh, phones or yeah, laptop... Not laptop, uh, tablet devices. It's on uh, Switch now, too, I think. Right? Pretty right. sure it is. Probably, yeah. For, at only 115% of the prices of it on every other platform. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> um, looking at the fucking min specs, and it probably run on my Surface. So that's on a portable device, you see. Yeah, that's a great thing. I mean, we were playing a tablet version as well on mine. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't as good because it was, you know, it's sort of more touch controls and it was a bit mm. janky and- we kind of uh, agreed to not look at the how-to, which didn't help. <laughs> oh, so we solid. were fighting against the game a bit, but like we were all at least on the same page where the Ubisoft guy wasn't wasn't uh, withholding Such knowledge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, um, so that's that's a lot of fun. The other game I finally got around to, or I've been talking about the last couple of weeks, Dark Souls Three. I got to the DLC in that. Um, mm. I really dig it. I think it's good. I, I, I thought I remember people not liking one of them. And the other one being a lot more popular. Um, so, what were the two? It was Ring City, Ring City and Ashes of Adriel. I think it was the other one. Ring City is the one I played. I, I checked it. I checked and yeah. So, Ring City is the latest one, right? I think so. I don't. Uh, I don't. Out. I did check that. Come on, like fucking every single time. There's something new. I have to fucking check. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, it says here that the. Uh, Ashes came out in October 25th. Yeah. So that right. was the first one. And then Ring City was the March release in 2017. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I like both of them. I think they were both pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah. They, um, they fit really well into the game, I feel like, that uh, they could have been... like To me, it didn't feel like, oh, this is a separate thing that was kind of just... You know, we had a couple people work on it. Like, it still felt like part of the main game. Um, yeah. The, the only thing, thing that felt a bit detached is the whole, oh, this is the way you get to it. It, it was a bit janky. Like, uh, Ring City was there's a bonfire, <laughs> like, next to the last boss that you kind of touch and it takes you off to the next area. That's a bit yep. fucking shit. Um, and the other one is uh, you talk to a person um, in one of the castles and that's how that one triggers but yeah otherwise i think they could have implemented them a little bit better but yeah i think the areas are fine that there's some some cool level design going on there and um the bosses are fucking hard like yeah really fucking hard um i summoned a couple of people on one of them because i was like oh just you know see what happens and i was having more trouble with people helping me than (laughs) solo because they were just the people with me were just getting shredded um so yeah Anyway, that that's cool. I, I really dig that game. I, I'm glad I've seen all of it now. Um, and it's just made me more excited for whatever they do next. Yeah. Uh, as long as it's not Bloodborne. I think it's going to be Bloodborne. Bloodborne, <laughs> shoot. You're not, um, you're, not, you're not a fan of Bloodborne, Jerry. It's just not... It's not it's like, 
Job gave it like imagine, a 5 out of 10. So, yeah, he's not that. Imagine if I cooked right, the <laughs> greatest steak of all time. <laughs> and then uh, also I cooked uh, like Sausages. a pretty good steak. Yeah. No, it's still a steak. It's still a steak. It's just not, not as good. And you're like, yeah, this steak's pretty good, Job. And you're a great cook. But like, why couldn't I have the greatest steak from before? And I was like, oh, I'm tired of cooking awesome steak. I'm just going to cook this, you know, sort of good steak instead. Mm. Yeah. Who's talking to you in this hypothetical? It doesn't sound like me at all. Um, yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's you. But <laughs> it's a chipmunk version of me. <laughs> Chip, yeah. Chip, and Chip then, and eight. Oh, yeah, some steak. Yeah, that's 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 what it sounds like. One is Luke, to one. <laughs> Luke chimes in. Yeah. Luke. Do you know what a chipmunk oh, sounds yeah. like, Luke? <laughs> um, yeah. But like, what I remember about you and Bloodboard Joby is on a Lawbreakers trip, mm. um, and you brought your PS4, especially to play it, and you yep. were playing the shit out of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, that's true. Um, yeah, no, I did like it. Like I said, it's still, it's it's like good. It's just not Dark Souls. It's not as good as Dark Souls. So, like the, I don't like the combat system. I think the speedier combat system, it, like, ultimately winds up being less interesting because you, like, are less incentivized to um, experiment. Uh, because like timing when, when everything's about speed timing becomes so much more important. And as a result, yeah, you like, and that, and the fact that the like highest level, uh, shit in the game, like to get to like plus 10 and stuff, if I recall correctly in Bloodborne, uh, there were, you had to basically, uh, finish the game and then you'd be able to level up all the, all the way. Um, there was literally no way for you to get like multiple weapons all the way up to the top because it's like the items that you needed didn't randomly spawn. So you couldn't like just farm your way through to that shit. You had like finite amounts of that resource, which meant, yeah, again, you are not incentivized to experiment with different weapons except to play through the entire fucking game again. Uh, which I just don't think is, yeah, all that interesting. Meanwhile, in Dark Souls, you always have access to, like, just a wealth of weapons. They didn't do that in Bloodborne because they were going for the, you know, the transforming weapon. Mm. This feels less interesting. I think we're done with Dark Souls, aren't we? That wasn't that the last one? Allegedly, but, you know, you know, a man can drink. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Dead Cells. Cool. I saw a new update for that come out. Yeah, uh, it's not out yet. It's like in their beta branch, but uh, you can play it if you install the beta version of the game. Yeah, uh, it's got the last boss okay. and the final stuff in it, which is pretty cool. Um, I was playing it just because I realized with that one, like I wasn't playing the beta version, uh, but I'm playing it again, uh, mostly because I realized with the with that update. Uh, on its way, uh, it meant that the game was nearly finished, and so I wanted to be prepared to play through it when it actually did finish. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know, I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited to play the full release. Right. Uh, my my bad. 
that released this morning. <laughs> yeah, my mine uh, updated, so Right, yeah. Okay. Well fair enough. Um yeah, so yeah, you can get to all all that extra shit um now. And uh yeah, I guess that means you can do all the extra you know, the runes and stuff uh, that are available, uh, but I still haven't done it because I've been trying very hard not to actually finish the game. And at the same time, every time I get close to finishing the game, I'll get distracted, try and explore one of the later areas and I'll fuck up and die. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, uh, it's it's both partly not wanting to get to a point where I've finished and also, uh, I'm yeah, I keep fucking up and not finishing anyway, so... I don't know. It's probably just an excuse. I'm probably just making excuses for myself for being too shit. Okay. Uh, but uh, I do. I've got all the runes and stuff now, so just have to actually get it done. Yeah. Uh, fuck, I love that game. It's very good. It's, yeah, it is awesome. You played it, Nate? No, it's on special at the moment, though. It's, uh, it's on my wish, wish list, and it came up uh, 33% off, so 13, 39. 13 oh, bucks. Fucking buy it. 13 yeah, bucks. All right. Thousand percent. Yeah, I was also reminded of. Um, have you guys seen or played uh, Deep Rock Galactic? Uh, I added that on my wish list because it came up. Uh, I thought it was on sale or something. I, I saw it re- recently, but uh, I think it just recently it. hit uh, like early access. Yeah. Right. But uh, I yeah, got sent a code for it recently, but that was for like the Xbox version, so <laughs> I don't think you'll be playing that. Yeah, um, Zwad, motherfucker. Well, I mean, it's, it technically means it has a Windows Store version, but I'm assuming that you can't play cross-platform, uh, cross-digital no. platform with Steam, maybe. But I like I, it's been on my radar before I got sent it. I'm very keen to take it for a spin, especially four-player co-op, first-person shooting plus like fully destructible environments. It sounds it sounds pretty rad. Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm in. Luke, you Twenty-four ninety-nine. I'm in at that price. I've still got. On Steam, that is. Yeah. I still got $11. Huh, from selling your... Crates. Pumpkin. Fucking crates. Crates, Woo! yeah. So. Cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that'll be like 13 bucks. I'll buy that. Fuck yeah. Um, cool. Awesome. Um, but yeah, Dead Cells. Well, yeah, you should definitely get it at 13 bucks. Yeah. 100%. All right. So uh, is it like a, um, it's a 2D Dark platformer? Soul? It's a 2D platformer, roguelike, Dark Souls-ish. You know, uh, so basically... Uh, you play through, uh, you move through the level, and uh, as you go, you kill enemies. It, when you kill enemies, they drop cells, not souls, whatever. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> once you get to the end of the level, you get to turn in those cells, and those you can spend those cells on, like, a variety of upgrades. And those upgrades uh, could be anything from the ability for a, um, a certain weapon to drop um to like being able to use your health potions more or uh like i think maybe one of them is like you can refresh the the shop um so that you can get different stuff but uh like so you go through all of that stuff or yeah you keep more of your money when you die stuff like that so that as you go through you slowly build your character up to be more and more and like the other thing is when you kill enemies sometimes they'll drop blueprints and those blueprints you're able to like spend the cells on once you spend the cells on them uh you have the 
potential to be able to start with that weapon and stuff like that. And so, yeah, as you go through the, the game, you become more and more powerful and uh, you also like get a better understanding of how the game works. There's uh, a bit of a like Metroidvania style uh, element to it where when you defeat certain bosses or certain enemies, uh, you get access to a rune and that rune allows you to do different things. Um, like, uh, you can like grow a vine that you can climb, but only in specific places. Uh, the last rune you get generally is, uh, the wall climb and the wall climb allows you to, it's pretty fucking hefty. Um, yeah, you can get to all kinds of places that you couldn't get to before, which is pretty awesome. And uh, yeah, the like what what's so good about it is the combat is perfect. Like each weapon feels different, uh, but like it has its own like it has its own character, and that character like the character of the weapon makes it feel like you are like growing as a player. The more you learn those weapons, and when you become comfortable with with a weapon, you like. You sort of you get these uh, combo situations going where you like as a player know like if I've got this and this weapon like if I've got this ability and this weapon then I am pretty fucking unstoppable. My favorite is uh, the phase. So the phase ability, you pick up two weapons, you pick up two abilities. Phase ability, you press like RT or LT, and you'll you'll teleport directly behind an enemy. Mm. and if you get the assassin's daggers where you do crit damage on backstabs you phase attack and every time you crit and uh it becomes like this like warping you just warp fucking everywhere like doing these crits and like fucking murdering everyone but there's there's others like uh if you've got like the oiled sword and uh the firebrands you chop someone, they get covered in oil, and you throw fire at them, and it's fucking, it's good night, peace off. Like, you just fucking, on to the next one, because they're burning to death in, like, it's bad enough that they, like, you can put them on fire, but if you put them on oil fire, it's, like, double damage, and they get fucked real quick. Um, there's, like, other things, like, you, sometimes you got to make, like, critically difficult choices, uh, especially when you're coming up against the bosses, uh, or elite enemies because you've got to decide whether or not you're going to like focus on your synergies your weapon synergies or you're going to focus on the holy trinity which is damage crowd control and uh and remote damage uh so you can i like if you get uh you can get like bear traps or you can get like a frost grenade and you can use those things to stop enemies from being able to attack you to get to you um and you can get things like uh like a bandsaw turret which chucks out like circular saws or just a general like turret uh and and stuff like that and you can put those down and you can trap someone and put that down and they will get like they'll just cop shitloads of damage without you having to do anything necessarily and it's just a persistent amount of damage so at the same time you're focusing on like chopping whatever the fuck it is that's getting fucking stunned or you're chopping other enemies and stuff like that but that like having crowd control and remote damage 
that's two of your abilities gone, which means you can't phase. Like, that's not a crowd control. It's not a remote damage. So you have to decide whether that synergy is more important to you than, yeah, you know, other things. And, like, so the game just turns into this, like, uh, platformer, combat-focused platformer, but at the same time, you are drawing deep on this wealth of knowledge that you've gained over the course of playing the game to, uh, to like, really... I don't know, maximize your ability to get through and uh, hopefully finish it. Because of permadeath, really right? Yeah, so yeah, ah. if you die, you're done. Uh, you start from the beginning again, like all the way back at the beginning. But it, it, like they've done it well enough that you always feel like you've actually made progress and it's not like worthless trying to go through the first levels, you know? Uh, like you can either, like to some extent, you could just fucking piss through them as fast as you can but there's stuff around those levels that makes you want to like find like upgrades to your three basic uh, skill, uh, sorry, stats or uh, like just items that like you might find that phase fucking item and you'd be better off. You'll have a really good start if you've got it or, you know, whatever the fuck. And yeah, just it, they constructed this really fucking satisfying feeling game. How how does it compare to that Sultan Sanctuary game? Did either of you play that? Yeah, uh, very different. Sultan Sanctuary is slow as fuck. I've like Sultan Sanctuary felt really good to play, and uh, it like that's a that's a much more Dark Souls or Souls experience. Right. Compared to this this is more this feels more like Castlevania with a Souls twist, but that felt or Metroid with a soul's twist, you know, that, that classic combat focused platformer, but that like salt and sanctuary was drawing very deeply from the souls. Well, to create a platformer that had pretty satisfying combat, like, okay. Combat, uh, but like led to you wanting to learn as much as you could about the world so that you could continuously progress. Like, I guess in a way, salt and sanctuary was about, perpetual forward momentum whereas dead cells is about like resetting and getting getting through it faster like uh yeah i don't know so salt and sanctuary felt like you were always moving forward whereas in dead cells it feels a bit like fucking tom cruise in um <laughs> the age of tomorrow where like every single the, the next time you go through, you're like fucking. This guy's dead. This guy's dead. 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 And then you get to the point where you you haven't reached before, and everything gets a little bit tense. And you're like, I'm still fucking. I'm still fucking gangster. I don't give a fuck. I'll keep going. And you get fucking scared, and you cop a bit of damage. And next time you go through there, you're like, that's okay. I know how this one. This shit works. The other thing is like it's all. Oh, it's not all it's uh it's procedurally generated based off uh tile sets so you will go into a new level and you have an idea of how it will work but it like won't be exactly the same every single time you go through it yeah i don't think okay. nate needs to play it anymore you've explained it pretty well <laughs> uh it's, it's like it is my fucking ultimate playing game honestly i like i killed i've killed literally hours on a plane playing that instead of like sometimes even instead of sleeping and shit it's fucking <laughs> awesome so it runs on the surface then pretty well. yeah man yeah 
yeah, runs on the surface and like he comes up with this warning. It's like, uh, this game's not designed to work on the, the integrated graphics or whatever the fuck. And then it runs perfectly. So who gives a fuck? Shut uh, up. Yeah. You don't know shit. Uh, but yeah, it's awesome. Yep. Get it. Sick. I just did. Nice. nice. Um, should we talk about Sea of Thieves real quick? Sure. I played some more Sea of Thieves on the weekend because I can't fucking stop myself. Uh, I was I was trying to avoid it. I was trying to not play it so that I didn't get burned out. And then uh, saw a, a bunch of uh, people on a Discord playing it. I'm like, fuck it, I'm jumping in. So uh, I played with Racy and Josh and uh, a couple other people just over the course of the weekend. We're just like fucking cruising around. Um, it was pretty tame i think like we didn't get into a lot of shit which was surprising we like accomplished a lot of goals uh in-game goals but we yeah we just weren't having a lot of luck with the combat like people were like fleeing when they saw us because they'd heard my like my reputation preceded (laughs) me uh but yeah like uh it's still yeah it was still a lot of fun it just yeah um i think a lot of people were maybe avoiding fights to try to get as much out of the game as possible. Uh, me, I wanted to have fights because I didn't want to be doing the rest of the game necessarily. But um, yeah, still, it's still a lot of fun. I continue to be unbelievably excited about the release, which is like two a two week weeks away. A week and a bit. Like, a week and a bit. Do you think we'll get it early? Who do we fucking hassle? Uh, yeah, we might get it early. I don't the think. hassling has started and uh, the answer was we don't know, so... Yeah, I don't think we will, eh? Because they'll have to turn on servers and shit. Yeah, I don't think they'll do it. Um, And, of course, being the sort of game where everyone, like, is supposed to start with a bit of an evil, even uh, keel, I guess. uh, Nautical term. I know. I I racked my brain for that one. Um, Yeah. Guess they won't want people having an advantage, Destiny styles. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's still cool. It was a lot of fun playing, like playing with uh, the guys on on Discord. It's just one of those games where I think you can have fun no matter what, uh, as long as people are engaged in and trying to have fun as well, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where the water tastes like wine. Let's talk about this real quick. It won't take too long. Um, <laughs> It's Sounds absurd. Like I don't understand why it exists. Um, no, I understand why it exists. Uh, I don't I, like it's interactive fiction. I thought I was going to hate it a lot more than I did. I hated it. Like I got to be clear, I definitely hated it. But I thought I was going to like really fucking loathe it. But I, I, it, ultimately, I just sort of yeah, I hate a lot about it instead. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I like. I love this idea. Uh, like I feel, I feel like the 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 American folk lore uh, is such a interesting uh, sort of setting for fiction, and I I feel like I'm seeing it tapped more and more. Like uh, whether it be through you know I guess magic realism, uh, like in um, American Gods, uh, that had a, a very like a folklore feel about it even if it was set in the modern time uh, or, you know, whether, so whether it be through that or, you know, be it through like general 
uh, American uh, folk storytelling. Uh, I don't think like it's it's tapped enough, and at the same time, yeah, I definitely see it being uh, worked a lot more recently. And where the water tastes like wine leans pretty heavily on that American folklore style. You know the hobos and drifters prey was the uh, not prey fucking um what's that game we were playing the scary one first person hunt Forest. hunt hunt uh hunt was the other one you know it's got that fucking that depression era uh vibe to it and i could imagine the characters having lengthy backstories that lead to them feeling like they need to hunt these terrifying spiders in these terrifying parts of uh, an abandoned Louisiana swamp. But uh, this one, um, yeah, I don't know. It's It leans pretty heavily on it. It's got the, you know, the um, narrator, the deep voice narrator, like the big Lebowski style guy. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah, perfect. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> and, uh, that that banjo twang soundtrack um, that's actually I, I really appreciate. But then it's just filled with all these things, like these bare ex- excuses to get you to play this game. And the play of this game is you collecting these stories uh from people so that you can give them to uh, i guess the devil uh the devil you know requires stories and you you owe him stories because you lost the hand of, uh, at a, a game of cards with him which is you know very american folklore you know you meet him down uh you that at the crossroads or whatever the fuck and play some a game of chance with the devil and lose and suddenly you're you're in his uh he, he owns your soul or whatever the fuck. Uh, I don't know how he beat me because he clearly cheated, uh, but he changed the rules at some point because he's the devil. He's allowed to get away with it, whatever the fuck. Anyway, so you're tasked with collecting stories uh, and he steals all your skin so you don't need to worry about food or whatever the fuck. I don't know, man. This game doesn't explain anything and it's uh, supposed to... It's supposed to be part of the game's charm, I suppose, but I don't feel like it's charming. It just feels fucking obtuse. Uh, there's this... You walk really slowly everywhere, and you walk from place to place collecting these stories. Uh, and collecting these stories is generally uh, amounts to you walking up, pressing space to interact, uh, and, like, three screens of dialogue playing out, and then you move on to the next place. You walk very slowly to the next place. There's this whistling mini game that I half worked out, but then never really explained. Uh, and so that's supposed to make you walk faster. Apparently, I read up online about what the fuck whistling was about, and it said it, was, it made you walk faster, but it doesn't make you walk noticeably faster. You know, not an appreciable difference in your speed so there's no fucking point in doing it you might as well just walk very slowly everywhere uh collecting these stories that yeah that when i say three pages of dialogue i mean three lines of dialogue it'll be like you come across a house that's being ransacked some by some police uh two two smoking ladies look at you and uh, ask you if you've got any cigarettes you uh, you oblige 
you get to choose whether or not you do or not, but I don't know why you wouldn't. You've got nothing to lose. You're a fucking skeleton hobo, so what the fuck are they going to take from you? But, uh, yeah, you, you oblige, and uh, the cops come up to you, and they're like, are you with them? And they ransack all your stuff, and they decide you're not a bootlegger because you don't have any money, and you're you're on your way again. Hmm. Like, th- that's it. And it's these glimpses of stories, and it tries to, you know tries to hand wash that away is like okay like but yeah it doesn't feel satisfying to me you just fucking wander places and um real drawers these fully voiced uh interactions you have with these other people these camp like, these campsites and there you trade stories for their story and i guess their story is the one that you're trying to collect for the devil but apparently it's just fucking 15 hours long and i reckon if you could move at a reasonable pace it'd be five hours tops and that to me is the worst thing about the game it like the pace of the game is it feels like it's paced that way to make you feel like you're getting your money's worth not because it's it does anything good for the fucking the nature of how you play it's done so that yeah they they can say this is not a two-hour game because yeah you are traipsing all over the fucking all over america very fucking slowly and it's just so tedious uh classic walking simulator bullshit right like what's that rapture game that you played and adored joby oh yeah everybody's gone to the rapture and and it didn't have like a jog option or something and so you just like i know i need to go over there but it takes you five minutes to get there because you can't move faster yeah yeah (laughs) exactly it's terrible well there's that but like the whole point that the problem the biggest problem that with a walking simulator is the fact that you can't jog or run or whatever and and it deliberately wastes your time yeah, uh, and it artificially lengthens something that, like, doesn't add to the experience, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It feels like it's doing it. Yeah, to and and they pose it as this concept of high art. You know, you're supposed to appreciate the surroundings. In this, you're literally walking over like a large map of the United States from point of interest to point of interest. It's Mm. like, there's no reason for you to be a skeleton. There's no reason for any of these things, like these design decisions, except for artistic purposes. And uh, to that extent, it doesn't feel like the the walking in particular adds anything at all. All it does is detract from the experience. And then on top of that, yeah, I never felt like the writing was particularly inspired or anything it was like i said i'm really digging the fucking setting at the moment like uh, i'm um well into like stuff that has that setting and yet or that theme and yet i didn't feel like this one grabbed me or it was worth the worth the effort so yeah anyway uh hard pass in my glowing recommendation oh right yeah Right, sorry. All right. My bad. Nate, what have you been up to? You went to Paris. Yep, just on a holiday. Not much. Cool. No, I went to play Far Cry 5 again. It seems like I've played that game a lot before it comes out. Hmm. 
which is usually frustrating to be honest um especially when you kind of playing campaign missions and it's very much a, a first world problem or i guess a games critic world problem where you're like oh man a fucking three hour preview session start of the game so when i finally get to playing the final version i'm gonna have to go through this three hours again fuck <laughs> uh but like with Far Cry 5, I'm having so much fun just fucking around in the world and I'm really, really enjoying the fact that Ubisoft Montreal has put on its its big boy pants and basically said, uh, the biggest one of the biggest problems with the Far Cry games is that the stories aren't that great. They're not that memorable. Uh, they're very secondary to the, I think they call it the anecdote factory. Um, the idea of the emergent narrative where you go out and cause mayhem and all this crazy shit happens and you go, uh, you know, ambush a convoy and then a fucking bear comes out of nowhere. That shit is way more fun than actually playing the campaign uh, to the point where I think apart from Far Cry 3, I have never finished a Far Cry campaign, but I have lots of fun. Uh, in the sandbox but this time around the way that the story starts and i know i don't want to go too far into it i don't want to ruin it it's just that it's got like a kind of confidence and maturity in the storytelling that feels like it's been a long time coming um it's got a very kind of a clockwork orange uh, kind of ruining of amazing grace that classic hymn that i'm sure most people are familiar with but uh what a clockwork orange did to sing it in the rain this will do to that and once you hear it and see how they use it you kind of can't like un when anytime you hear it or someone mentions this song you're like oh fuck just reminded of that really kind of twisted opening to uh to far cry 5 so i'm actually interested and excited to play the story for the first time ever but more importantly i want to play the shit out of co-op because the fun that you can have by yourself is awesome. I mean, have you previewed it yet, Luke? I think you have Job, haven't you? I played it, yeah. Yeah. Job as well, have you previewed it? Uh, no, I haven't. Oh, really? Well, man, you're in for a fucking treat, especially because <clears throat> co-op is the most fun. Um, like, the, it, it has a character customizer, which to me makes no sense because it's basically an exclusively first-person game. Yeah. Um, and the way that the interviewers uh, interviewees said, oh, it makes sense because it's kind of like bragging rights um, for when you're playing PvP or when you're playing co-op. Uh, and so I made sure that I had the most hideous character, classic me, I always do this. So I had a... Um, a mulleted gentleman with camo pants, uh, an American flag singlet, and bling rings. Nice. The bling rings are the most important because obviously you can actually see your hands in the game. And depending on the gloves or the whatever you wear on them, you actually get to see them, which is kind of cool. So they're the most important thing. But what was better was that I was playing with uh, co-op with Toby from press start is that where you, yeah he hails from yeah sorry toby uh anyways we were playing together and whenever he would die which in his defense was mostly because i had fucked something up like just <laughs> trying to throw explosives at everything oh, yeah, um nice. you know accidentally deliberately setting him on fire with molotov cocktails that are you know all that sort of fun stuff that you do in a co-op game when you're being a dick but when you revive uh they actually get to see like the animation is this the other person's the other player's face like right up in your face like pulling you up by their arm and i had uh, my mulleted gentleman with what can only be described as a low-cost cosplay uh take on maximus's 
helmet slash mask thing from Gladiator, you know, where he says, my name is Maximus. So yep. it was that, but it was like, like it was made of masking tape. So I was, anytime <laughs> I revived him, I'd just uh-huh. glance over at him and watch him recoil at my hideous <laughs> face on his screen. I mean, obviously you can't, you won't get to experience that kind of thing uh, because you're going to be playing online co-op. I'm 99% sure it doesn't have split screen. In fact, it might even be 100% sure it doesn't have a split screen. So you're basically going to have to listen for that pain, but I highly recommend making the ugliest character possible and playing with someone who dies a lot so that they actually have to deal with your face in their face a lot. (laughs) The other fun co-op thing was, like, it was just basically pushing the game to see what kind of mechanics you could do. I tried to do the battlefield trick where one of the cooler things is, I mean, you've got the parachute and the, uh, what is it, the wingsuit. I think you have to unlock them but they seem to be unlocked for us. So one of the cool things is if you want to do kind of like a badass incursion in a base is you get up in a helicopter or a plane, you fly really high and you just jump out and you kind of just get down really low, parachute, guns blazing, or land on top of something really high and take people out with crossbow, or the, sorry, the, the composite bow. But what I tried to do was I tried to get back into the helicopter um, and everything was going really well, except I forgot the button to get back into the helicopter to test the mechanic. But what I found was a bug that was one of my most favorite bugs ever. It was basically my head was like a Tomahawk missile, apparently. And when I hit the helicopter, it exploded <laughs> <laughs> and I died. But like, that was my favorite death out of many, many memorable deaths uh, in that game. Oh, we were playing on PS4 Pro, and it's worth noting that... And I only note this because it's still... You know, it's only only a couple of weeks out from release, or a few weeks out from release. There was some pretty noticeable frame drops, and there was even, like, frame stutters to the point where, you'd like, a second or two would just, like, freeze with rendering, and that wasn't great. I'm hoping, I'm assuming that's not going to be a problem on, um, on PC. <clears throat> but... One of the the cooler additions to the gameplay formula is um, like realistic ballistics, I guess. Not super hardcore armor level, but it's not hit scan anymore. It's projectile based. So you feel like well more of a badass when you're making those sniper shots. Uh, I felt like a fucking badass when I was on a heavy machine gun and like watching my bullets curve like arc over a hill. And I was hitting stuff on the other side because I was getting notifications not to attack civilians. <laughs> so just like little things like that, which is like a great addition. And it adds to the the kind of like it makes the gunplay feel way more visceral and intense, I think, when you do projectile over, over hit scan. Uh, and when you're using the composite bow, which is like just one of the simplest but, mo- but most fun weapons in the game. Whew, it's, uh, it's awesome. But like you have to do the first hour, I think, without uh, or by yourself. It's a tutorial, but it's not a tutorial in the sense that, you know, you're like, oh, God's sake, just skip this fucking bullshit. Like, it's you've got the training wheels on, and they keep you all kind of contained on this island, but you still have that sort of open Far Cry approach. But they've gone and they've gotten rid of Ubisoft Towers, which is probably the greatest thing they could have done for Far Cry, because really, who needs them? Uh, They even take the piss out of themselves early on with that so keep an ear out for that it's pretty fun um but you do that opening mission and it still feels like you're part of the world and organic so you wear the training wheels but after that it basically drops you in the open world and then it's like you can play co-op from here on out and drop in drop out um and it was a shitload of fun and both times i've played co-op i've played on ps4 and i don't enjoy shooters on consoles on the best of days because i obviously know what i can do on a pc versus what i can't do with a joystick uh, but still so much like just stupid amounts of fun and and when you'd fuck up 
you were still like the way that you recovered from the mistakes and being spotted and uh the reinforcements coming in was like a lot more fun than than just going oh shit i feel like i've i've actually goofed this up to the point where it's unsavable or i feel like i've been a noob like it was more about challenging yourself to make it harder and or, or just simple things like you'd be running to a mission and then a skunk would attack you and you'd only know that the skunk was attacking you because the npcs with you the companions would scream out about kill the skunk before it sprays you and i would just literally stand back and watch these guys fighting a skunk <laughs> or a re- really early on i recruited a guy with a baseball bat <clears throat> had a guy with a rifle and a guy with a baseball bat and so i instructed the baseball bat guy to sneak up on a dude and like whack him in the back of the head just by like you know pointing at him pressing a simple command and he crept up behind him and just like fucking slugged him and it was just brutal but hilariously satisfying at the same time um and then there's fishing and all that kinds of crazy stuff as well if you're into that so i mean that's that's the campaign side of things which i think is like top notch i personally believe from the i think i've played close to eight nine ten hours now um of campaign uh, or sorry i should say of sandbox all over the place side missions main missions and things and i'm having a lot of fun with it i think for me it's like pretty easily going to be the best far cry game yet um which i don't think is really that hard not to say that the other far cry games have been shit but they always sort of seem to flirt with eight eight point five out of ten the better ones more so than being like proper you know 10 out of 10 they've actually yeah. got all of the elements right where that potentially falls apart is far cry arcade <clears throat> which in fairness um is totally secondary totally optional and, and in a day and age when you've got dickheads at dice saying i don't think people make mods anymore um yeah. it's great to have in-game level editor included and you know they're basically they're saying to the community go create stuff and they only they haven't just included far cry 5's assets they've included watchdogs assets and assassin's creed assets i personally didn't notice any of those in what i played we didn't actually get to play around with the level editor per se either so i didn't get to see how deep that went um but one of the interviewees i'm choosing to believe that this was a slip of the tongue and he mentioned black flag specifically so i'm hoping that that means there's some fucking pirate ships and shit in there because that just sounds cool um so we got to play two solo scenarios uh from arcade made internally at ubisoft montreal they really weren't that great uh but what was great about them was this kind of proof of concept idea of what you can do so taking what is essentially a sandbox shooter and turning it for the sake of the first scenario was basically just like a maze like get to the end of the maze but this maze was like proper creepy fucked up like escher gravity defying stuff with like the max Payne style you know trippy drug missions that you had in the original game uh like that kind of vibe and you just kind of got to the end and you know took five minutes and was like okay cool but like what was cool was that it was this idea that okay so people can really they don't have to make like far cry missions they can make whatever they want essentially um and the other one was just kind of a kill the vip through a little hub world but me being me and knowing how i can game systems he was hidden in this kind of like room um um at the top of a two-story building that you couldn't get to uh, immediately you had to kind of you were supposed to work your way around climb up somewhere else and then kind of you know get your way over through the top uh but i just threw a molotov cocktail at the wall knowing that it would clip through it and killed him so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and it wasn't that great it wasn't that challenging and again it was really short but 
what I appreciated about it was the proof of concept idea of, okay, so they're, tr- they're trying to show us the sort of stuff you can do more so than, hey, here's some really quality examples that we'd like to highlight. I think the community will create the best stuff. And I like the idea that, you know, tomorrow's Tim Willits, um, who got to id Software by making Doom mods and maps, is like potentially lurking in you know kind of like a far cry arcade place like i really like that idea that people can show off their skills and that like if you really get into far cry 5 and and you revisit far cry arcade every once in a while i'm hoping and assuming that they'll include things for like the most popular maps and scenarios and you just download them and play them and it adds an extra sense of replayability on top of what is already a massive shooter sandbox um but then there was pvp and pvp was just bad it was, yeah. you know, but like, again, and I confirm this with the local Ubisoft uh, rep that PVP is something that players can, you know, change. Um, I'm hoping that the tools are deep enough to let them make more than just maps, basically, so they can impact the mode. One of the weirdest things was the time to kill. Um, headshot kills immediately, but b- bodies are really spongy. Like I'm talking three health bars basically like in the game spongy but a single headshot was killing people outright so you were better off spamming at their heads again playing on controller uh than actually trying to chip away at their health although there were a few instances where it led to some decent shootouts uh they tried to make it feel a little bit better than its generic form which felt a lot like far cry 3 for anyone who played the pvp and that it just it just didn't have anything beyond being team deathmatch um so they tried to show a little bit of what you could do beyond that by having um animals in there but the animals were either bugged or they just didn't seem to react to the fact that there was gunfire and people happening around them unless you shot at them that seemed to aggro them rather than them being this kind of persistent lurking threat which would have made it slightly more interesting if not essential uh and the other thing was vehicles but the map was so small that the vehicles were like either impractical for getting around they were too easy for road killing or me the troll again when i parked uh tactical is that what it is joby the other one went tactical was it the other word yes so i had a big old uh, heavy machine gun on the back of a truck when i parked that in the choke point and pointed it at what seemed to be their only fucking respawn point i got a couple kills and then felt dirty and got off the gun Um, oh wait it's tactical tactical damn it fuck my bad how embarrassing well, that's that's my mistake. I, I incepted you with tactical. Um, so I wasn't I wasn't impressed by that. They wouldn't let us capture it, which, if I'm reading between the lines, was because they kind of knew it wasn't that great. It had a separate embargo, all of the Far Cry arcade stuff, to be fair, from the campaign and the open world and the co-op, which I think also means they understand that it's not up to the same quality as uh, the main game. And but that's okay. Like it. It honestly doesn't bother me that this stuff that I played in Far Cry Arcade is really lackluster compared to the main game. Because I honestly believe that even if those tools are limited, the best stuff that we will see will come from the community. Yeah. And and it won't come from Ubisoft Montreal, and nor should it. You know, like, I mean, if it's a free little bolt-on add-on and free content, they'll throw a few things in there to kind of get people interested and to ensure that there's content there on day one, I guess, but you know two three four weeks after launch that's when i'm expecting to see some interesting stuff and depending on how deep the tools are i actually think that there could be a viable pvp mode to be found 
in Far Cry 5, but it's less about what Ubisoft Montreal built and more about the tools that they gave to the community to kind of create something something different. Like, personally, I'm hoping that the tools go deep enough that you can actually... Like, I wrote an article for Red Bull Mainstream. Wait, have I submitted it? Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> whoops. And um, <clears throat> it was about the idea... No, actually, it was for Finder. That's really terrible. Um, the idea that Far Cry could work really well uh, as a survival game, either as a mode or as a sort of spin-off. And yeah. saying that they've basically, like, they've pretty much got all of the elements in terms of if you think about, like, when you take damage in a Far Cry and you went to heal, at least in the older games, like, you know, he would, uh, d- d- like, reconnect a dislocated arm or he would rip a bullet slug out of its leg or whatever, like it was, wrap bandages. So that stuff's already there. <clears throat> so you could add locational damage. It wouldn't be that hard to add the need to sort of sleep and uh, drink water, eat food and all that sort of stuff as well. But I thought that, like, it would really benefit, like, returning to the Far Cry 2 idea of of weapons that had different quality and you'd have to maintain upkeep or they would jam and stuff like that. So I thought that would make for a more, like, an interesting take on Far Cry that wasn't necessarily appealing to the mainstream audience. But yeah. for the person seeking a, a more hardcore experience, like, that isn't just, we changed the difficulty and it means that the enemies take more shots and you take less. <laughs> like, okay. Like something that actually ties into these little survival mechanics that they've got in there in a light way. I mean, they've got a repair tool in the game. They've had it there since Far Cry 2. Uh, and all you do is you do the battlefield trick of just going beside the vehicle and fixing it. But if you had to fix it in terms of its location or you had to find parts, again, yep. stuff that I don't think would be too hard to add if you've got these assets and these animations, yep. that sort of stuff to me would be really exciting about the potential longevity of Far Cry 5 which doesn't include a season pass or its DLC, but like uh, to, you know, a feather in the cap for Ubisoft Montreal is that people start sharing this stuff, talking about it like one year, two years down the track, however long it takes. And your game is still relevant. People go back and buy your game. You know I mean? We've seen it on the PC with the mod community, obviously um, people, Daisy, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. People go back and buy a game that's old as fuck. That's probably not even that actively supported anymore because someone's created something cool. And I think that's testament to the short sightedness of those whoever those dice developers were, I wish I remembered who said it so I could name and shame um, more specifically, but like that kind of closed minded approach to, Oh, what, what are even mods anymore? And also like the cynical underlying theme of like, why would we put time and resources into creating something that we don't make money out of? Well, you do make money out of it and you've already got those tools. And if you just bundle them in a way that you know, I guess doesn't, you know, kind of violate the integrity of your engine or whatever. So if it's included in the game, then people, can do it more easily they're staying in your game they're playing your game every time you're playing the game in this connected world you know i'd log into steam i log into xbox ps4 whatever i see what my friends are playing that's that's a little ad advertisement oh fucking job is playing a lot of far cry 5 lately i better hit him up about why what am i missing out on like (laughs) this is all 101 shit but anyway sorry that's me getting angry at dice not um yeah so yeah even if to be honest, even if Far Cry Arcade has such limited tools and turns out to be like a garbage fire, I don't think that that should detract from what I am imagining is, and from what I've experienced, a huge uh, sandbox shooter that has I mean, dozens, maybe scores of hours worth of content in there without even having to do all the 100% mentality. Just like there's so many 
different activities to do, main quests, side quests, and things like that. Such a strong core game there that if this Far Cry Arcade ends up being what it should be and what it could be, then that will just be the cherry on top of a, like a, a, a cake that you're just like, well, I was already going to eat it anyway, but now it's got this extra thing. Fuck yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Far Cry 5. That sounds awesome. What's um? What's the deal with the the villain? Because I, I feel like with the Far Cry last couple of games, the villain have always been um quite like out there and memorable. Rem- yeah, like you've got uh, Pagan Men in four, and then like Vass in the third one is. But I feel like I've not seen anything about whoever's running this shindig at all. Oh really? They've they've started um, they've released some stuff, but they've started really they released a live action thing recently of kind of like his backstory, and highly recommend watching it. It's creepy as fuck. Um, but basically, he's the leader of a of a cult called um, Project at Eden's Gate, and they're an apocalyptic cult, um, and they're very militarized uh, and. If, if Ubisoft Montreal does with this story what I hope they do with it and what I kind of read into one of the hints at the beginning, which I don't want to go into too much in case I'm right, but um, basically they hopefully cleverly tied the player's arrival into what the cult believes to be the end of the world. So you actually become part of the reason why this cult that was already bad, was already militarized and taking over and doing bad shit, but the reason that this cult escalates, I feel, is because of your arrival, um, because they see it as a sign of the end of the world. So once they think that that's happening and the leader starts preaching that that's happening and they've all drunk the Kool-Aid, um, that's when shit starts to get crazier. Mm-hmm. But he's got um, he's got siblings all who are supposed to have kind of different flavors in terms of the regions that they can control. Uh, so you've got like the hardcore militarized one. You've got the, uh, they're not talking too much about the sister, but I feel like she has some sort of power or ability or something to kind of get people on side. They've kind of hinted at that. They've, you've, you might've come across these enemies, Luke, that had like this weird gas cloud over their head. I think she's tied to that. Um, it seems to make them not just aggro, but it, they take more hits to die which means there's a bit more diversity in terms of just your average grunts. Uh, but they also seem to care about their mortality, so they'll flee, which is kind of cool, and also they will uh, you have a chance of knocking certain enemies down into an incapacitated state, and their buddies will try to get to them to revive them to get them back in the fight. Um, so there's that as well. So I think like from what I've seen of the main guy, again, I don't want to ruin it because the, the introduction to him is is quite strong, um, and he's a proper creeper. <laughs> You just yeah. get that vibe from him straight away. Awesome. Uh, and I think that it's like, if anything, it's a more interesting, in my opinion, f- exploration of insanity because, correct me if I'm wrong, Pagan Min and Vass and all those other secondary insane characters in Far Cry 3 that nobody remembers the names of, um, they were all just nuts. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't really have an agenda. They were yep. just like, look at him, he's bonkers. Whereas this guy has an agenda... And he's religious crazy, which in a world where, you know, kind of we're dealing with religious extremism and and the results of that, um, I think is bolder than any of the choices that um, Ubisoft has made in the past with Far Cry. So it's and obviously there was controversy out of the gate, wasn't there, from conservative Americans upset that you killing white 
Americans, right, who are now. cultists. So they've already got that going for it, and I think that's great. Like, fuck them, you know, get people pissed off. Um, yeah. And, you know, fuck religious extremists. <laughs> They're all cunts. So, uh, so yeah, it's definitely, it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. They've, I talked to the, one of the narrative guys, and while he didn't want to give too much away, obviously, he's just sort of, I said, well, you know, what's changed this time around? What have you kind of challenged yourself to do that's bigger and better that we haven't seen before? And he said that um, he wanted to, they're trying for some more emotional, like dramatic beats that will actually resonate, which is already impressive because on the main quest and specifically with that opening, it's really, really fucking dark. Like it's super dark. And whenever you encounter cult missions, you're like, wow, this is like, could feel like a completely different game. And you go out into the open world or, man, I was doing a side quest where this chef wanted me to go and find um, a collection of frozen bull testicles that had been like locked up and he wanted to have his testicle festival or whatever <laughs> the fuck it was called. Like, like that level of like crazy tongue-in-cheek side mission. But somehow they make it like merge. Like it doesn't feel like tonally it's all over the place. It sort of more feels like those things are a reprieve from the heaviness that happens in the main story and you can go back to it at any time although i do suspect that they drag you back into it at certain points because that did happen to me um where i was doing a certain mission and because i'd pissed off a guy enough it sort of said uh this guy sent out a capture squad for you they cheated a bit to capture me because i was literally in a plane about to take off and they were Uh somewhere behind me and then the screen kind of faded to black um so I think they do have intentions on kind of not just dragging you back in, but like changes in dialogue and things like that to remind you that there is a main quest that's worth playing, which they haven't done too well in the past with Far Cry, yeah. which has sort of been like, let me just do as much of this, as little of the story as possible so I can jump back into this glorious open world of just doing whatever the fuck I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a companion system on top of that. So you can hire, you know, people like just regular grunts or, um, comp- companions with specific proficiencies called guns for hire and then there's the animals that you can hire or tame whatever you want to say fangs for hire and i had a big bear called cheeseburger Um, (laughs) he's called cheeseburger because he was addicted to cheeseburgers but he's not allowed to eat cheeseburgers anymore because he has diabetes so like even that in itself is just fantastic amazing character building for a fucking bear uh so you have to go and catch some fish to feed him fish to get him on side. Oh, my cult- God, Nate. But I don't care about all this backstory. <laughs> <laughs> you will care about the backstory of Cheeseburger, Joby. <laughs> Fiend. <laughs> who's, who's the... What's the dog's name as well? Boomer? Uh, Boomer, yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, I didn't, I didn't go for Boomer because I've already played around with, you know, what he does. So I'm like, eh, oh. I want the bear. And I think there's a, like a cougar or something in there as well, which I was oh, keen I for. I have... Boomer and, and the bear at the same time. I think you can have Boomer you can and have two companions. Like sounds like a morning radio DJ combo. <laughs> <laughs> Where Boomer and the bear, or some oh, kind of guys. You are here. This is me. Sex oh, club. Man. There we go. Stop doing that voice, Luke. <laughs> I'm sometimes the bear. Sometimes you're the bear. <laughs> I'm the boomer right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, that's that's what we need. We could let's rebrand the gap. We'll be Boomer in the Band. <laughs> well, there's the name of your episode. <laughs> <laughs> we need some of those fucking sound effects though. That's what we need. Boomer in the Bear. 
<laughs> fart. That's how I did a fart noise. I just said fart. Oh. Anyway, uh, there was a cougie you, you were saying, and not a, oh, a sexy older lady, but um, no. Although the potential for someone to far cry arcade that is there, I would hope. Call in the cougar. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was allowed to use two companions at a time when there were basic grunts. I did replace one of my shitter grunts with cheeseburger, so I'm hoping that you can have two. I think maybe you can unlock the ability for more, or maybe you had to unlock it for two, but they gifted it to me because short time or whatever. But anyways, it sounds like it's an option, so definitely not having to pick between which one you love the most because there are some great ones. There's a fucking guy who flies in a plane and you call him in for a bombing run for God's sake. Like that guy's awesome. And then there's a sniper person who's kind of boring, but then there's a, like a chick with a composite bow for the stealth kills. So it's got some diversity there to match your play style or to challenge you to play in different ways. Um, but really it's just about that sandbox and co-op. Oh yes. So much co-op. Right. So what's the, They've gotten rid of towers. What's the gimmick to sort of reveal locations and that sort of stuff? Well, it's all revealed up front, but what they want you to do is they want you to talk to NPCs to get missions and kind of you know connect with the characters and, and find out what's happening that way. More so than yeah, climbing to a big old tower and going, oh, yeah, shit, I see everything around me. I, I mean, they'd already made that change in um, Assassin's Creed Origins, hadn't they? Yeah. The towers were there, but they were there as completely optional. They helped um, the tagging speed of your eagle, which was super handy, but at the same time, on their fast travel points. So they had their worth, but they also were like kind of more organic things as well. It was less like a tower and more like, okay, well, that's actually like a high point and that makes sense. And I don't have to do these things. And usually near every fast travel high point, there was like a town that if you just road into it would unlock a fast travel point so it didn't never felt like you like in the past assassin's creed games you know we'd have to get up there and it would spot everything that was within a certain radius so you felt like you basically had to go to all of them to experience the game yeah i think they've finally got the memo on the fact that the ubi towers it's kind of they've had their day and i don't mind them reimagining them or putting them more in the background but yeah they're like there are towers i guess in the game in the sense that there was a couple of missions that involved radio towers but they were sort of felt more organic to a mission more so than hey just go climb the fucking tower you know to see what's around are they where they broadcast boomer in the bear from radio towers. <laughs> I, I hope so <laughs> all right awesome fuck uh that's i'm, I'm pumped yeah Get it on PC. Obviously. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, soon. It's three weeks away. Three weeks. Fucking hell. That's cool. Um, yeah, it sounds it, like you've... I was pretty on the fence because I, I didn't really get into the last Far Cry all that much. Did you uh, play Co-op? No, not really. That's why Co-op was where I was at. But it was yeah. limited. It wasn't full, like, kind of outside tutorial, full campaign sort of thing. Yeah, I played in a preview and it, and it seemed pretty limited. So I was like, yeah, probably won't bother. Um, yeah, so I only, only really played it just to get, like, to play it. Like, I was far more, as you were saying, you know, far more interested uh, in, like, just experiencing the open world. And once I got bored with that, I didn't really have any interest in continuing through the story. 
Um, but this one sounds. I mean, I, I was I was already pretty interested because I know one of the writers on it, and uh, he's got a he's got a good background, and uh, he's a funny dude. So I I was pretty confident that they'd be able to do something good with it. But yeah, you've yeah you sold me pretty well. That's what I do. I I mm. yeah. Right. Good. Sweet. Good stuff. Should we talk about some news quickly? Let's do it. Yeah, bit. let's do that. Unless you got anything else you want to talk about, Nate. I did have a little note down to say, did anyone play Bayonetta on Switch? It seems like Switch is getting all these stealth launches. Like Bayonetta happened and then um, Outlast. I was being told overseas got a, had a stealth launch and Outlast 2 is coming soon, which seems like really, to me, odd choices of games to put on the Switch. But I guess they're just flexing out the library with that back catalogue of old, old school games, right? Yeah, it seems that way. I mean, I did sort of know that Bayonetta was coming. I didn't know it was coming so soon. I'm sure they would love that wording. And, uh, yeah, I don't really have any interest, though, because I don't really like Bayonetta, so... I, I never got into it, but uh, yeah. I thought that was like kind of of that ilk of Souls before Souls. Not exactly the same thing, but like the idea of punishing gameplay being... Yeah, it was one of those beat em ups in the Devil May Cry sort of vein hmm. or the Ninja Gaiden, and those were always super, super punishing. So, yeah, definitely along that those lines, but yeah, never really got into it. Um, cool. cool. All right. I, I assume you didn't play it. News. Moving uh, on. Call of Duty. Black Ops 4. Apparently the next Call of Duty game. Black Ops. Yes. 4? Question mark? <laughs> yeah. A bunch of lines. Uh, I think they're going for like the tally mark system. Uh, yeah. The next um, one will have a strike through. Yeah, that would make sense. That would make a lot more sense. Um, yeah, so... Um, like, did I did I see correctly that it was fucking announced by James Harden? Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> James Harden wearing a fucking hat. Yep. Um. Yeah. Okay. James well, Harden from... wearing a a hat, but also in camo uniform. Who's James Harden? Basketball player. Ah, oh, right, right, right. Why is it four and not four? Like Roman numerals. IV, right? Yeah. I don't know. Weird. I don't know. It's odd. They're weird. Um, always been a fan of the Black Ops series, so uh, I'm looking forward to this. But uh, yeah, as always, we'll have to wait and see because it could go fucking any direction. They've clearly lost any fucking control over how they make a Call of Duty game. They just sort of make them now. It's like churning another one out. Hopefully Treyarch hasn't slipped into that role, but uh, yeah, hmm. yeah. Well, it depends so. if they're still Treyarch. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, very much. It's like saying, "Is it still it?" And I'm trying to think of other studios that you're kind of like, "Oh man, that game from that renowned studio wasn't that great." And you're like, "Well, how many of them are left?" Like Infinity Ward, obviously, is yeah. Example. In the Call of Duty space, they were the go-to, and then they became like kind of a joke. Or <laughs> Dice, you know, in some ways. Right, because the dice, the dice of our youth would never have looked it down on their noses at fucking mods, that's true. seeing how that's, that's how they true. got in. Um, but yeah, a bit harsh on dice though, because dice still makes mostly good games, <laughs> unlike Infinity Wood. Um, yep. Anyway, yeah, 
Cool. I guess we'll find out uh, quite soon. More. Usually they when, reveal it before E3. When there's more details than just James Harden wearing a hat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Possibly. Uh, Detroit Become Human has a release date, May this year. So that's two months from now. Yeah, pretty much. Yep. Um, sure I'm looking forward to Something that. else is coming out in May, right? Um, I'm not sure. State about. of Decay 2. Right. State of Decay 2. Yeah. Fuck yeah. May 22. Uh, yeah, I never played number one, but I always heard really good things, so I'm very pumped. And it'll be in the fucking... It'll be a part of that Xbox. You'll be able to Xbox Games with Gold thing that you can get Sea of Thieves on. Yep. So if you've got Xbox Games with Gold, you can get State of Decay 2 for free as well. Well, that'll be only 30 bucks or some shit, so... Yeah. yeah I guess you'll work out whether or not it's worth the sub subscription. Uh, but yeah, Detroit Become Human out in May. Yep. Cool. Uh, I guess, I don't know. I don't have anything to say about this. I would love to review it for someone. <laughs> I would love to. For the Gap. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll review it for the Gap, but I'd love to, right. love to do it for a sign. <laughs> Get paid to do it as opposed to do it for free and for funsies. Because uh, I suspect, because some like these days, it, with some of the worst games, the only thing that, keeps me going until the end is knowing that I'm getting paid. Uh, and yeah, so I don't know. I, I Something in me makes me feel like this one might shit the bed about a tenth of the way in and just turn into a real clusterfuck. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but uh, there's a part of me that suspects that that might happen. And, uh, yeah, if I'm not necessarily getting paid, maybe I'm not fucking incentivized properly to continue to finish it all the way through. I would love to fucking play it because Lucy O'Brien's not reviewing it for IGN. Oh, no, that sucks. It's a travesty. I would love to play it with her, though. I reckon that'd be fucking well, there amazing. There you go. Just pitch that as a video for IGN. <laughs> there must be some reason why she's not doing it, right? The the. That would be fucking amazing, though. She might have just said no, right? She but, can't. Yeah, she doesn't want to do it. Like, I can understand that. <laughs> Very <laughs> much understand that, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. I'm hoping that it is good because the one bit I've played seemed promising. <laughs> it just cannot last the, the whole way through. And is Does it anyone get be- more chances than David Cage? This is fucking amazing. I don't know. What makes you think... But it's fanboys, right? Like, it's the fanboys that go out and buy this shit and rave about it. Like, it's the 0-10 Metacritic logic, you know? Like, it's either a 10 out of 10 if you're a fanboy or it's a 0 if you're your average consumer going, this game is bullshit. More likely, it's very middling, right? That's that's the reality. It's a tech yeah. demo, which basically probably lies to you about how interactive it is and how much impact you have on the world. Yep. Um, and like we that infamous podcast, Joby, that or you, me, and Josh Philpot did that time where any time one of us said, yeah, Heavy Rain was shit, but like this one scene, man, it was awesome, and yeah. then the person would finish breaking it down, and then one other person would be like, yeah, I fudged that, or my thing was like, 
the the driving section. No, no, the running through the house with the guy chasing me with a shotgun, and I got all those quick time events right, and I felt like a real boss. Yeah, and I think someone said, "Oh, yeah, I just I failed all those," and it played out the same. Or yeah, yeah, that was yeah. I remember that. for the driving section. Almost like, yeah, I put the yeah. That was fucking. Oh my god! Yeah. So as soon as you break the glass on any of that, it starts to make you doubt actually what does matter what are the consequences yeah. and i and i think that's why at that weird sony event we went to uh late last year they yeah. showed that quickly really quickly showed that little what was it a flow chart of all yeah. of the consequences i mean who the fuck's got the time to test that by the way externally to yeah. say whether that's tr- but so let's assume that that's true to me that looked infinitely more layered and complex than basically just uh, three people discussing what did and didn't matter in heavy rain yeah. So yeah. It has potential, but I wasn't wowed by what I played. Um, I liked it more than Heavy Rain, to be honest, but that was less. Well, it was more because I didn't have to do like finger gymnastics to fucking <laughs> yeah. get shit done. Like yeah. the control scheme <laughs> somehow, in a really, what is ultimately a limited game in terms of its mechanics, was getting in the way of me playing the game, which is just fucking weird. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean that that flowchart was pretty inspiring, and I do remember walking away thinking, "I actually want to see how this game plays out." Yeah, so, if yeah. they do it that way, that's awesome. But if it's just like a like nothing really, none of your choices yeah. matter. It's like oh, we're back to because they're always like, "Oh, it's, this is your story. This is the way it's going to be told." And then you you speak to somebody else. It's like, well, yeah, like especially that last game, the the one they did with Alan Beyond, Beyond so yeah. Like I felt like Heavy Rain had a lot more, um, uh, like diverse storytelling in it, um, because like you could have people or characters die and just not see that at all and things like that. Whereas, yeah, the other thing just didn't, it didn't uh, really feel like I was getting much out of it. it just felt pretty samey. Well, the the promise of the pitch is the reversal on what I just the anecdote or the story I just told about the heavy rain thing. Like the idea that say three of us play it, that we could sit down and have very different takes on the game, very yeah. different outcomes, consequences. Um, and oh, oh shit, you did it that way. And that happened like that is the potential, like the power. If it's, if it's there, if it's legit yeah. and, and assuming it's not overwritten, which they always are. And it's yeah. you know, super ham fisted in its execution. Like if, if the, ele- if the elements align and that flow chart was real, then yeah, I, I actually want to play it. But like, if it's feels like any of that shit is going down the same feelings that I have with heavy rain direction, uh, in the first couple of hours, I don't see myself finishing it. Which is a problem for a game that's all about the story, right? And the consequences and the different playthrough that I, I will have and you will have and everyone else will have. Mm. Yep. I guess yep. we'll see, right? We yes. shall see. Yeah. All right. Uh, and the last bit of news. Yeah, last bit of news. I want to talk about Star Series was over the weekend. Star Ladder, the uh, PUBG tournament in particular. I think I watched... Um, did we talk about Counter-Strike? I think the week before. Maybe. I Maybe. Know. I can't remember. Um, so, yeah, Star Series is on. Uh, this is the big, like, first international PUBG tournament where they've gotten teams from, from every region to compete. Um, yep. And so we had an Australian team in there, which was Atletico Esports, playing um, on behalf of Oceana. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, and then they had like three European teams invited, like three North America teams, uh, uh, CIS team, Asia, Southeast Asia. And I think that's maybe it off the top of my head. Um, Something like that. Yeah. China. China was the last one. China, right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was a, a four-day event, 20 games played across the four days, uh, points yeah. for position uh, in the actual game and points for kills as well. Not as much points as some of the other tournaments have done. This one was six points per kill. Um, mm. And then positions were based on uh, like first, second, third, fourth were the real big ones. We get like a ton of points for that and the rest were kind of uh, sort of just scale down depending on where you landed. Um, yeah, man, the, uh, the the actual layout of the the event was really fucking slick. They had like uh, like did this runway type thing where the teams were on either side. They had two levels of teams set up. Um, yep. Lots of fucking lights and looking pretty and banners and all this kind of cool shit. I think the actual setup of it was really really awesome. Um, when people when teams would be knocked out, it'd say like like their banner would disappear and sort of the lights would fade out and then you'd be left with everybody else and um, I think the presentation was done really well in terms of how the thing looked. Um, yeah. Because I think we always talked about it. Like, how the fuck do you run this? Yeah, logistically. <laughs> like, right? how do you do it? And, and you could kind yeah. of think of all these different ways by having, like, uh, you could set up a bunch of fucking squares and just have, like, eight levels of people just <laughs> sitting in computers. Like, just crazy things like that. Um, yeah. And we haven't... I don't think we've... we've a lot of the tournaments we are seeing aren't necessarily 100 people playing. They're doing usually about 16 teams, which equates to about 64 players. Um, but it's still like a lot. Uh, and yeah. they're coming up with creative and interesting ways of displaying these teams, like setting them up. And, and I think that stuff is really cool. A lot of the pictures out of that looked, looked awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hundred thousand dollar tournament and 16 teams. Uh, I watched like every single game um right. th- that was played um i watched one from each day and two from the last day right yeah yeah um so what they were kind of doing was uh they'd actually play five games every day uh the first game they would play was a warm-up match where they would do uh third person perspective uh the reason behind that is the chinese scene is pretty third person uh like heavy in terms of the way they play it and so a lot of their tournament all of their tournaments are third person and um they're only just starting to get in the first person now and i so i think they're trying to also get a lot of the asia scene and and like china players watching the games as well so they're kind of introducing them to like uh you know here's what's here's what you used to but also here's all the other stuff so they were doing that as a warm-up round um and that was sort of something fun to kind of watch in between like as players were getting used to the setting and whatnot um but otherwise i thought it was a, a pretty decent tournament a lot of cool things coming out of it um in terms of the, the game's production like the camera work and whatnot um i, I think there's a, there's quite a bit of work to be done on the camera side towards the end of the, yeah. the um the matches they started getting a bit better but the first couple of days were pretty rough they um they've just got to do a and i don't know if it's because there was uh this was held in in kiev over in ukraine i don't know if there was some sort of language barrier issues or um if it was just the people that were on the cameras weren't necessarily used to 
um, you know, how to control them and set them up or the per- person doing the uh, production behind the scenes. But uh, yeah, a lot of problems in terms of like the commentators trying to talk about what was happening in the game while showing what, like, while showing that at the same time. Um, yeah. You had instances where the commentators were in the middle of casting a battle and then the camera would just switch over to some, like a different team doing stuff and they'd be like, well, I guess we're not going to see the end of that fight. Um, yeah. I, di- I didn't see a lot of that towards the end of it, but definitely at the start it was happening. Um, the other thing I'm not a fucking fan of is showing the map on the screen and just letting it linger there while things are happening that you can see like teams fighting you can see the lines you can see the lines while they're firing right so you know fucking gun battles are happening like right then and you're just watching like you're like super detached or whatever the fuck it's insane yeah so i i sent a like a message on twitter and like copied the man being like hey here is some pretty terrible camera work because like (laughs) what happened i think it was it was on the first day um it was 10 minutes before we spectated anybody in first person that fired a gunshot which is a long fucking time and um and yeah basically i I clipped a bit it was like hey here's a picture of you guys showing the math and you can see five teams shooting at this point and we're on the map for a minute. And this is yeah. before that minute, you're watching somebody driving around. And then after that minute of people shooting, you then spectate and show you like um, they they had this camera set up where uh, they would have in each corner like little picture and pictures. And in each mm. one of those, they had the map in the middle. And then the picture and picture was four members of a team. And they often did it when the teams were driving. So they'd bring it up and, and then you were seeing four people driving out in the middle of nowhere not near anybody and you got this map in the middle you can see teams shooting each other and then so i'm like this is horrible like why are we watching this part of the game it's so dumb yeah and legit that went for 10 minutes that actual game we didn't see a single person shoot a fucking round um until about the 11 minute mark even though Mm -hmm. stuff was happening in between that started to see a lot less of that as the games did go on, but that was that was the first day, and I was like, "This is terrible. This is horrible. Whatever's going on here." Yeah, um, so I think that's where they needed to really uh, fix up a lot of that. But otherwise, the production stuff was really cool. They had like overlays when people uh, teams would get knocked out, um, so you wouldn't kind of miss it. Like, hey, um, you know, once the, the last member of the team got got killed, it'd pop up pretty much straight away which is cool. Um, they would do like an overlay on the side, like all the teams listed, who was alive on those teams. Um, if anyone were, were killed, like they'd be sort of grayed out. So they were giving, they had a lot, lot of uh, like information coming on the screen at certain situations. It just took a couple of days for them to, to really get into the swing of it and get used to what they were showing. Um, and then sort of by the end of the, the tournament, they um they were focusing a lot more on the teams that were winning um so like for instance phase won the first game uh in game two they were watching phase was the team they were watching when they were driving while all the other shooting was happening so that that's kind of something that sort of uh went through as the tournament went on they were they were following a lot of the the top tier teams a lot more than the teams that were actually engaging in fights which was a bit um, annoying. Idiotic. 
Yeah. It's annoying as fuck. I look you you like I I don't think it fixed itself as the fucking game went on. I don't think it got better as the the series went on because they kept they were just they became super attached to the top teams and that is so fucking dumb. Like I understand oh people want to know, you know, who's going to win the tournament or whatever the fuck, but the at the end of the day, they have to be showing the fucking action. Hmm. And if they're going to sit on fucking whoever the fuck, uh, Cloud9's guy lying behind a tree while literally three entire squads have a fucking Barney. Hmm. A a fucking, like, a war over the other side of the circle, right? And you can see, like, while spectating, you can see out of the corner of one of the, like, out of the corner of the camera, watching this dude lie behind a fucking tree, you can see, like, cars exploding and shit. And you're like, I wonder what's going on over there. I wish I could see. And then you see like fucking eleven names pop up in the kill feed. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. that would have been it would have been cool to see that, but I guess we got this guy from Cloud Nine lying behind a fucking tree. Yeah. Um like that was that was in game sixteen. Like that's then that's the last day and shit. Like that's fucking crazy. They can't fucking do that shit. That's fucking so dumb. And what they need to do is get three spectators. They get one person on the map who isn't going to have a good time, but he's being fucking paid. They get one person on whoever it is they're trying to create a narrative about. They get the like they, whoever the commentators are yapping about at that moment. Uh, and then they get another person who is being directed by the dude on the map to find interesting firefights. And they fucking stick with that shit and then they time shift the whole fucking the whole tournament. They delay it by twenty seconds, and that way uh, they can jump to the correct firefight uh, and they can catch themselves up uh, without having to worry about uh, missing out on any of the action. Because uh, um, fuck, maybe have a fourth one to like record highlights and replays and shit. Because I didn't see much of that. Uh, do it in the fucking downtime. There's so much fucking downtime in PUBG. The best way to watch Star Ladder is to watch it the way I did, which is uh, VODs, hmm. because you, then you get to skip literally dozens of minutes of fucking nothing. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's not good. It's not what you want from fucking eSport. It doesn't like, yeah. I think they had a lot of camera people over really? seven or eight easily. Because they were doing all that picture-in-picture stuff as well, oh, yeah, as, I guess. as well as setting up, um, like, they, they weren't doing, um, some of the spectator stuff wasn't like, oh, we're looking at this person, uh, first person. They would be above the fight and sort of having these, oh, pretty angles type, type stuff. They were doing a lot of that, but, um, yeah, I think they need more. I like. I want to see the kills happening. I want to see the first person stuff, like what the players are seeing. And I don't want to be. They. They. What I'm saying is, they learn throughout the the tournament. Don't have the fucking map on the screen for a, like yeah, a minute true. and a half. Like I didn't see that happen. On they definitely learned about the map. <laughs> yeah, because that that was yeah. that was something that was going that first day, and I was like, why? And it happened. I think f- the first four games, I was like, why the fuck am I watching the map for a minute and a half? I, I mean, it's cool that we're seeing where people are coming in on the circle that's all right i'm all right to see like an overall view of things that are going on but don't show me it when there's clearly 
like three different battles going on on the screen and people are dying and then and then cut to that to fucking phase in the top right hand corner of the map driving around mm. not like engaging anybody that was yeah. what was annoying they need to do a better job of um yeah like staying where the action is and and following that totally. sort of stuff so anyway um yep. but anyway uh atletico uh had a decent start they they started pretty well i think by the um i think by around like two they were ranked fifth or something yep. like that um by the end of day one they dropped uh, a little bit i think they were about eighth um yep. anyway they they only their highest ranking they got to a second place which is the last round of the entire tournament they got second place with eight kills um, mm. Otherwise, they go to third place and fourth place. To put that in comparison, FaZe, who ended up winning, um, got four first places, four, four seconds, and three thirds. So they did with with like 112 kills overall. Um, yeah. Athletico got about 50-something, I think, all up, which uh, a decent chunk of them were on the last, I think, the last day. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> A lot to learn. I feel like um, there was. They did a couple of interviews uh, with the Star Series guys because it seemed like there was a lot of people asking uh, for interviews with those guys. So they were one of the teams got interviewed. Um, they seem to be having a lot of trouble with the meta. They, they weren't really used to the European um, American meta that was happening. Uh, they were talking about like back home. What would kind of happen was you'd have a lot of teams um, sort of making their way into the circle quite late and uh sort of hanging around the outside in the oceana scene whereas uh what's happening in the international tournaments um discounting uh asia and china Mm. um they they get in quite early and towards like compound areas and buildings and then they move really quickly they everyone's got cars and they sort of moved from location to location as the circles readjust and like you could see that Atletico had a huge problem adjusting to that meta. Um, they and they did not learn from their mistakes at all. That's that's one thing that I took away is that by the last day, it seemed like they were struggling still to keep up with that. They um yeah they landed in Pachinki every time. So again, um, uh, all the teams have their own locations which they kind of land at. Nobody really messes with them um, because you end up with situations where teams end up dying early and then you don't get points, and nobody wants to do that. They want to uh, yeah. get geared up um, and then take fights uh, when they need to. So Pachinki was there. So they're in the middle of the map. A lot of cases, they were coming in. They were getting to the circle last, so they'd be sitting on the outside. They weren't getting a lot of um, center compounds. Um, they yeah. were doing a lot of things where they would split up, which is not something a lot of the top-tier teams were doing. A lot of top-tier teams no. st- sticking together, staying as a four-man uh, squad Atletico would split up on certain occasions they would um, because they were coming in so late they would send maybe one person into a, an area to see if it was taken if it if it was taken that person get picked off and now there are three um, and then they would send someone else off to try and find somewhere else and the same thing had happened uh, yeah I just felt like they did not learn at all to adapt to the meta I feel like whoever or, or they should have said after that first day, after they went and reviewed the VODs, all right, here's yep. the top three teams that are winning. Um, let's see what they're doing. We understand, because they obviously knew there was a problem. They got interviewed and they said the meta is different, different, but they didn't adapt to that. They kept doing the same thing and they seem mm. like they're always one of the last teams to get into the circle, whereas uh, FaZe, 
Liquid, Vitality, those types of teams would would land quite late because some of these guys were were landing in like Georgia Pole or Yasnea and sometimes they would need to get cars to go there um, whereas Pachinki is quite central you can pretty much get there from anywhere on the map uh, even though these teams were getting to their starting locations quite late they were still getting into the circle really quickly so yeah I don't know what was happening there they just failed to adapt to that that meta and that really put them in a bad spot um it seems to me like they're afraid to take firefights. And, uh, like, well, not afraid necessarily. They just didn't back themselves. It was lack of confidence. Yeah. And uh, and so that resulted in them not wanting to take firefights and that resulted in them, them not wanting to be in the center of the circle. Because uh, I remember when I was talking to Neff uh, in my interview for Red Bull, he was saying that that's, like, that's just not, you know, you don't take firefights, you don't have to. And... Um, like I, I don't know. I don't. I think that they should have backed. If they'd backed themselves more, uh, they would have been more confident. They would have taken center circle. And they could have done a lot better. I don't think they did poorly. They just it was it smacked of like yeah a lack of confidence. You see it a lot, and you know it's their first experience on land. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's what, what's going to happen. You know, they they're going to get smacked in the face with a, a meta that they've never seen before from international teams who have done like who have experience already, and they're going to have to adjust really quickly, or they're just going to wind up not really doing as well as they should be. And I, that's that's the thing. You know, they just didn't live up to their potential. I think ultimately. Because they they are a lot better than what they showed up, and you could see those flashes of potential when they were taking firefights and they were getting into gunfights, and they showed like they looked fucking awesome. They looked like they could fucking they should have been in the top fucking five. Yeah, uh, but yeah, too they, often they just. It, oh, what I was going to say is even um, like the casters are saying that they saw them scrimming and they were playing really well in firefights, but I think it was game two. Um, hmm. they, they took a firefight with Avangar. Avangar was a team that won IEM a week ago. Um, yeah. which, which, you know, some of these, uh, like phase, um, uh, liquid C9, like tempo storm. A lot of those teams were in that competition. Avangar yep. not winning it and they get into their second round and they get in a gunfight with the team who won, uh, IEM the week before and they end up winning that gunfight. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think I, that's the, that's the, fight yeah you linked me to the one i wound up clipping for ign's highlights yep. um mostly because the camera work made it really difficult to find good gunfights but uh yeah like that 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 was exactly it though right like that happened repeatedly uh you could see like i think in that in game 16 when you know 11 people died all at once hmm. like there were still three fucking athleticos standing at the end of this massive firefight like they managed to take down fucking or, or avoid being taken down yeah. by like shitloads of people, and I think they just had but, a bad circle in that last. Yeah, that's kind of what stuffed them up a little bit. They weren't in great positions. I was like, two of them were behind like a single tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, like the phase fight, like the European scene is so fucking strong. Liquid ended up winning three games straight at one stage just like smashing people um and and they got the most kills it was like 160 kills or something crazy that was just destroying um i hope they come back i hope athletico comes back and is just gung-ho taking shot uh, taking five fights 
like I reckon that'd be so good for the Aussie scene as well. Yeah, it it'd really change the way that they play. It'd yeah. be far more interesting for savvies to cast as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, Atletico are now coming twelfth overall out of sixteen. Um, yeah. Which you know it's not bad for the first appearance into uh, a tournament full of teams that have been playing for the last six seven months internationally. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. So yeah. Anything else you want to say about that? Nate, you sound excited. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Everything you said, amazing. Well thrilled. <laughs> um, no, but if we are talking about esports, just wanted to point out that uh, I am Katowice's grand finals were fucking amazing. Totally worth watching. Which the last game on train um, Counter-Strike. was Counter Strike. Yes, um, yeah, just bananas. Is that like fake? utterly yes, yeah. and it just it, yeah, it was just crazy shit um totally like order went over there they got knocked out pretty early they went up against phase in the first fucking round which is a bit rough um but uh yeah the grand finals were phase versus fanatic and uh like multiple times um flusher on fanatic like aced to keep fanatic in it and then they won in overtime in game five and it was fucking crazy Totally worth watching. Uh, just super high level. Anyway, um, yeah. Cool. That's it. That's um, it. I think we mentioned this before. There's uh, Tainan Mines is going across to uh, PGL. PGL's on at the moment. And yeah. Rest. Yep. Um, so, yeah, Tainan Mines will be uh, heading over to compete against another 16-team tournament, uh, which should be interesting. Hopefully, they, they learn a bit about uh, Star Ladder try and take that into mind yeah hopefully um i, I hope atletico share their their knowledge with them that'd be awesome yeah oh and uh uh player unknown did a shoey with the australians he did <laughs> he did i retweeted yeah um all right that's it that's it let's get out of here uh the gap you can find us on itunes oh we do two questions any questions no questions good question I'll, I'll pimp all this shit if you can find it. Do it. Uh, iTunes, Android, Windows Store for the Gap GA Podcast. If you want to search and uh, you'll find us on there. You can also review us. Helps other people find the show. Uh, you can email us questions if you want. Job's trying to find them. The Gmail podcast thing is, uh, what is it called? The GA Podcast at gmail.com if you want to email us or you can hit us up on Discord, the GA Podcast.com slash Discord. Um, we have uh, chat channels in there and people talking about movies, video games. Um, yep. I don't know anime stuff sometimes and Job's like no you can't talk about that on here that's illegal it's true I, I do I have outlawed it which is good uh, we do have a question from Baz Baz writes in uh, ba- uh, thanks for the tips fellas my wife has already organized a rail pass about a fortnight ago he wrote Fortnite, like um, the video game that he's always fucking pimping uh, which I feel is a deliberate act yeah. of uh, terror anime anyway uh, we don't talk about Exactly. Um, I had a look into the traveler cards your bank give you, and apparently the Citibank Plus card works out cheaper, has less fees than your bank's, better rates too. Anyway, as primarily PC gamers, do you own laptops for gaming on the go, e.g. hotels? I know Joe mentioned he has a Service Pro a two weeks or so ago. Uh, keep up the good work. 
I didn't say that other word, the word we don't speak, because uh, he wrote it the same way again, which is, again, hateful. Uh, Nate, you've got, a, you've got a laptop. You can play games on the go, can't you? Or do you use tablet? Well, it's an XPS 13, so it's not a. It's more for work. Um, but, I mean, it can game, and it's got um, some games on it, just nothing super modern. I mean, I've got, what have I got on there, Civ 4 at the moment. and Yeah. XCOM and things like that, but nothing, yeah, nothing like super amazing. I think if you want it just for gaming, you're looking at start with Alienware, but don't yeah. buy one. Um, <laughs> use that as a comparison point. I think uh, what we saw at PAX uh, with what NVIDIA, was it NVIDIA was doing with that? Yeah. Kind of the different design where they'd shifted the keyboard to create um, a top area that beneath the hood was all... Um, air wasn't it it was designed to cool all yeah. dedicated to cooling extra cooling passive cooling, that's yeah. that's essential i mean the big old joke about like you never use a laptop on your lap you definitely never use a gaming laptop on your lap or you will get third degree burns yeah. um they need air flow and whatnot but they're also not that great in terms of mobility they're usually expected to be heavier um bulkier and their battery life is generally shithouse yeah that's that's why I think generally I, I don't go for them. You know, I don't go for the gaming laptop. I go for the fucking the Surface. I go for something that has uh, utility uh, for stuff that I could actually use on the go. And you just have to make compromises in terms of the games that you're going to play. Because I mean, yeah, the it's got integrated graphics thanks to Intel. And that's honestly good enough for quite a lot of good games. You just have to fucking have to dig a little to find them. Well, the uh, Surface laptops have dedicated GPUs, I'm pretty sure. The little deep yeah. GPU range. Um, they have like fucking 2800 bucks or some shit. Yeah, I mean, so, and that's it as well. insanity, cost, right? Like, cost becomes prohibitive, and they're yeah. not as future-proofed as a desktop, which you can just kind of take parts out and toss them and, and you know, uh, future-proof to a certain extent. So... There's a whole lot of compromise. It also depends on the airline. I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this, that not all seat power offers enough power if you wanted to play on a plane mm. to actually mm. charge at the rate that you'll be losing battery. So you'll still be it'll lose lose it slower, but, a lot you'll, slower, but yeah. you'll still be yeah. losing it. So, that, I mean, like things like Dell, XPS, I bought a, um, an external power brick that's designed to give you basically... I don't know, additional half, three-quarter charge or something that you can plug in. So that's a little way around it. Uh, I'm not sure if they offer that for, like, Alienware and things like that. But if you can find something like that, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if a universal one exists, to be honest. That would be great. That would be great. Uh, But you're also looking at then lugging around a power brick that's, like, pretty obnoxiously big (laughs) as well as your obnoxiously large laptop. So... Yeah, it's it's. I've travelled with them before to basically to play games and to test out the whole thing of like gaming on the go. But yeah, it wasn't that great an experience, and it, so I think I ended up taking my my work laptop as well because I didn't want to work on the like thirteen inch screen. Oh uh, um, yeah, maybe it was eleven inch screen Alienware, which was compact at the time. But yeah, I think once they make them a bit more compact, they make the battery life last longer. But that's the problem of every handheld thing at the moment, isn't it? The battery life is, is shit. And the revolution we need in tech is for a small size battery that actually has a decent amount of juice in it from yeah. smartphones to tablets to to laptops. Because, I mean, I think any 
any um, laptop, even probably mine, my laptop, if you're gaming on it, you're really only looking at two hours if you know if you want to mm-hmm. run it decently and have the brightness to be able to play it. You're looking at about two hours of life before it dies, and then you can always turn it off and recharge it slowly while you nap or do something else. But it's not ideal, basically. Yeah, yeah, essentially. So ultimately, uh, Luke, you, doesn't uh, doesn't your girlfriend it's play on a fucking laptop or whatever? The fuck. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a couple of years old, but it's like a desk, desktop replacement, right? It's no, yeah. it's a gaming laptop. Yeah, but like you wouldn't use it as a fucking laptop, would you? No, no, it's, it's a fucking beast. You need a fucking you need a semi truck, yeah, semi trailer to fucking bring it with you or some shit. It's redonks. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. It's it's like five or six years old now, but it still runs stuff, uh, some games, but yeah. Um, no, you wouldn't take one of those laptops with you. Yeah. Unless you were willing to risk checking it, which I wouldn't advise if you've got it in your checked bag. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Somehow. Again, we're not advised, but that's the kind of practical way if you're just looking to game in hotels or something like that. Yeah. Um, then that's kind of feasible, but the whole idea... Take a fucking of- console, you know? Yeah. That's Switch, if, that, if, that's, if that's what you're going to do, just take take a PlayStation with you or some shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. Baz. Cool. Good question, question, Baz. Badly worded. Fortnite is spelled F O R T N I G H T. Um. Cool. All right. That's it. Uh, You can find us on social media as well, which is Facebook dot com slash ga podcast or twitter dot com slash ga podcast um actually it's twitter dot com slash boomer and the bear boomer and the bear all right if you'd like to go to a website uh we'll have to update our um url it's at the moment it's the gapodcast.com uh you can go there and it's got all links to our past shows and and all the other things we post on there that's all thanks to our patreon members if you want to help support the show you can go to patreon.com slash ga podcast and uh yeah appreciate that everyone does it every month so, is Boomer um, and the Bear a gay thing? Because I know that the bear is right. Is, well, is, not apparently not. Um, is, no. Yeah, bears can be straight. Apparently, really. Sometimes. Yeah, Boomer the so Bear is soul. a thing. Apparently, Boomer the Bear. Okay, Boomer the Bear. I can't find any Boomer and the Bear. But is Boomer like a uh, you know a, a gay thing, a gay stereotype? Nah, Boomer. Because it guy. could be. It could be like a really fat matter? dude who vomits everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, you know, did we have we accidentally found ourselves making a gay uh, morning sh- radio show? Because I guess we'd have to change some of our jokes to not be as much about vaginas, you know? Because they wouldn't be as interested in our jokes about. Fuck it out. <laughs> this Job's digging this fucking hole. He's just like, I'm digging. I look. I'm just ruminating on the concepts. Okay, I'm allowed to fucking think about these things. He's allowed okay, to be curious. Me, let me think my thoughts. Um, in anyway. your head, Job. Think them in right. your head. Fine. Cool, Nate. You got anything you want to share? Any any stories going up soon? Anyway, no. no. All no. right. Fair enough, Joe. What about just- you? Usual spots, hit up Red Bull, um, Finder, to- and PC Power Play, basically. Head to Red Bull Esports for a uh, pretty great uh, story from uh, 
from Nate about Red Bull, uh, about Red Bull, about Rainbow Six's uh, Year Three outlook. Uh, it's fucking. Uh, I think it's eighty thousand words long or something. Like there's like a some, fantasy novel. Yeah, there's this trend with uh, esports writers that they feel like every fucking article has to be fucking forty thousand words long or something. I just want to read something that's less than two and a half thousand words. I don't know. You had that's the great. power to cut, Jeremy. I did have the power, and I just didn't even. I didn't even try because um, it's all magic. So go read that. Uh, uh, head to uh, fandom. I wrote about the best. Subnautica, debug console commands. Uh, I, I don't know if you're interested in that. Uh, and IGN should have a story up uh, before this goes up about uh, AFL teams getting into. Oh, the, it's actually about sports versus esports, but uh, it concentrates mostly on AFL teams because I, a lot of the. Mostly only AFL teams wanted to talk to me about it. So, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, check those out, I guess. Luke, you got stuff? Um, yeah, uh, survivor.com. Got some Rainbow Six Siege stuff still going up. Um, what else did I do? I still? Like fucking hell, man. Yeah. What? Don't, don't you? No wonder you Shane keeps, like, chasing me for content because fucking like, Overachiever here has written, like, 40, 40 bits of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um and uh what a, I did a wrap up of Starlighter, that's on that's on there as well. Yeah, I don't know, man. Twitter.com slash Lucori, go check that out. Nothing else. That's nice. It. That's it. Cool. Anyway, that's it for Boomer and the Bear. Oh, that's terrible. Oh yeah, Boomer and the Bear. Oh yeah. That was the least sexy three way I've been involved in. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. Um yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's Boomer right. And the bear. All Next right. week, Next see you week. on episode two of Boomer and the Bear. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I'll see you later, everybody. Yeah, see you. Three hours, Nate. Thanks for coming on, dickhead. Yeah, this is why I told you don't invite me on your show. <laughs> keep telling you guys this, and you're like, oh no, it'll be fine.